106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. So, so the most important thing uh, you gotta remember is, you know, okay, so, so, so some, some people were, you know, they were doing some stuff, and then, and then other people were like, hey, don't, don't do that stuff, and then other people were like, hey, yeah, they should do, you know, that stuff. It's good that they're doing that stuff, and then the other people were like, I don't think they should be doing that stuff, and, and then, uh, and then, uh. And then thing, and then thing, and then you know thing, uh, the the one, the the do so things are like, um, uh, so, uh, it, uh, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that, um, uh, in conclusion, I've I've no idea. President Obama reportedly told Joe Biden directly, quote, you don't have to do this, Joe. You really don't. That is not a joke. That is a natural fact. I think Biden looked unsteady at many points. Play the radio. Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone. He's not the most polished speaker anymore. The president thinks, uh, my friend from Vermont thinks that. Watching his long, winding answers that don't really make sense in recent debates has also raised the question as to whether that has gotten worse and whether he is up for this. The fact is that the bills that the president, that, excuse me, the future president here. Because there's a lot of people who are concerned about uh, Joe Biden's ability to carry the ball all the way across the end line without fumbling. Go to Joe 30330. He looked kind of unsteady and almost deer in the headlights. So what are we doing? What's going on right now? He's not that good at this. I mean, he's clearly not that strong a candidate, thinking on his feet. Anyway, my time's up. I'm sorry. I think there are some concerns, and they've been man they've been expressed by Democrats themselves. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Over whether Joe Biden is equipped to withstand a very grueling campaign. We choose truth over facts. Joe Biden was really shaky, both because he was stumbling through his answers. I'm the vice president of the United States. And also because the substance of those answers hasn't really gotten better. Those details are irrelevant. I think we're going to see growing questions, wondering if he has the mental and physical stamina to get through this campaign. I love this place. I love, look, what's not to like about Vermont in terms of the beauty of it? And what a neat town. Obama warned Biden's aides to make sure Biden didn't embarrass himself. Imagine what would have happened if, God forbid, Barack Obama had been assassinated. Real conversation that is happening among Democrats. Has he lost a step? Uh, is he is he too shaky? I, I want to be clear. I'm not going nuts. There are definitely moments where you listen to Joe Biden and you just wonder. Good morning, guys. Um, just some quick morning thoughts. Don't don't think that we're stupid. And, you know, and then you've got the opposite side of the spectrum of, of freaks and people like Lena Dunham who constantly want to show you their fat rolls and cellulite and say, if you don't like it, it's your fault. Like, you know, you're gaslighting. I don't like it because it's not attractive. It's like asking me to like disgusting food. And then when I eat the food and say it's nasty, you say it's because you're a bad backwards person. 
you're all just attention seekers and you're trying to dress up your attention seeking in activism and gaslight normal people. It's okay to be normal. We don't have to pretend to like any of this stuff. We can say we want to raise our kids, go to church, dress normally, normally, you know, <laughs> um, meaning women wearing clothes um, that are made for the women's body, men, women clothes that are made for the, you know, for male bodies um, without you telling us that we're backwards. I'm normal. And I'm going to call out stuff that I think is weird and I want to give permission to normal people to stand up and to fight back. Um, you can be committed to a relationship to everyone saying to me, go make your husband a sandwich. I would love to make my husband a sandwich if he's hungry. I cook for my husband all the time. I think that that is normal. Um, uh, if I'm tired, my husband will cook for me. We are normal people. So trying to uh, make that somehow an offense to me doesn't work. Um, so on this day, all I'm saying is God bless the normal people. It's okay to be normal. You do not have to merge into the society which is so desperate to outfreak one another. This is Lou Benninger, and you're listening to No Hostages Radio, episode 87, on November 28th, 2020. Thank you for listening. If this is your first time with us, this is about a six-session, 20-minute session talk, separated by some clips that are very important clips that I've picked out over the last seven, seven days that relate currently to the crisis we're in in America, uh, whether it be vaccines, the uh, overthrow of the election, <clears throat> the coup that is happening, uh, the fraud and hoax of COVID. So you want to listen to the clips. Of course, with the podcast, you can uh, dial it in at your convenience. So let me uh, give you a couple ways to get a hold of me if you're kind of new to this. <clears throat> you can reach me at, uh, my name's Lou Benninger. You can reach me at Lou, L-O-U, at NoHostagesRadio.com. I'll say it again, Lou, L-O-U, at NoHostagesRadio.com. As you can probably tell, there's a website called NoHostagesRadio.com, and that's where you can find all of our podcasts as well as uh, two articles per week over the last uh, 87 weeks. You can also obviously go just to your podcast source like Apple uh, or any of those normal podcast sources and just put in No Hostages Radio and get onto us. So I say all this only because I don't know how you got here, and I'm just giving you some options. And the other way to get a hold of me is by uh, cell phone or text, and that is 530-713-1838. 530-713-1838. Probably the easiest way to start is just text me or email me, <clears throat> calling me. Uh, I do answer that phone. I don't screen the calls, but... Uh, I do. I'm on the phone some. I run a trauma intervention program, and and uh, so don't hesitate to leave a message. I do call everyone back, friend or foe. Uh, so I think that's it. That'll get us started. Uh, I'm recording this on Thanksgiving evening, 
in Northern California, Marysville, California, in what we hope to be one day another state. Some people have called it the state of Jefferson. We really don't care what name it is as long as it's separate from California. Uh, here in Marysville, California, uh, it's a rural area in, in uh, North State, California, north of Sacramento. It's farming area up here, and it's cold outside tonight, and I just uh, ate me a, a couple plates fulls of uh, amazing Thanksgiving food, and so I had some great, uh, a great time with some old, 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 really old friends of mine. I'm almost 100, and they're a lot older than I am, and man, it was awesome. So it was better. It was as good as the meal, but the meal was over the top. Only in America can you get a Thanksgiving meal like that. So I'm, uh, I don't think I'm going to fall asleep during this because it takes too much attention. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about Thanksgiving to begin with, even though when you listen to this, uh, you're going to be post Thanksgiving for you and Oliver and Linda. That's after Thanksgiving. Post is after. So I want to read you uh, a great uh, some portions of a great article uh, by one of my favorite lady writers, Ann Coulter, who is uh, very sarcastic. Uh, she's bright and sarcastic, uh, and many times that's the way I learn best is when people say something that is ridiculous, and then they say what the truth is behind it. So she says about Thanksgiving, As every public school child knows, the first Thanksgiving took place in 1621 when our pilgrim forefathers took a break from slaughtering peaceful, environmentally friendly indigenous peoples to invite them to dinner in order to infect them with smallpox before embarking on their mission to fry the planet so that the world would end on January 22. 2031. That uh, credit goes to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Consider this description of the pilgrims' treatment of the indigenous peoples. Quote, they were the worst of conquerors. Inordinate pride, the lust of blood and dominion, were the mainsprings of their warfare, and their victories were strained with every excess of savage passion. She says, except that's not a description that I just read of the pilgrims' treatment of indigenous peoples. It's a description of some of the indigenous peoples' treatment of other indigenous peoples. Indigenous, for those out there that don't know that word, it's a term that means native peoples. Written by the late Francis Parkman. Francis Parkman is a Harvard professor, uh, or was a Harvard professor. They, the term late means he's passed. Harvard professor, and the world's foremost Indian scholar. The Wampanoag, who joined the pilgrims at the first Thanksgiving, had a lot to celebrate, contrary to Hollywood's American-hating rendition of Pocahontas, in which the Indians feared the white demons. Wampanoag, the Wampanoag people, were thrilled with their well-armed white allies, who helped them repel the hated Iroquois and the Narragansett, people. The whole reason the Wampanoag were uh, clustered so close to the coast where the pilgrims encountered them was that the Iroquois had pursued them with an inveterate enmity. Some Wampanoag paid yearly tribute to the tyrants, while others were still subject to their inroads, flying in terror at the sound of the Mohawk war cry. This is according to 
the expert Professor Parkman. Parkman describes a typical Iroquois celebration following one of their attacks on their fellow Native Americans, quote, in parentheses, an absurd term, inasmuch as no Indians were native to America because there was no America until the white Europeans got here and created it. Quote, men, women, and ch- this is this is the uh, treatment. This is out of Parkman's writings. Men, women, and children, yelling like fiends let loose, swarmed out of the narrow portal to visit upon the captives a foretaste of the deadlier torments in store for them. With brandished torch and firebrand, the frenzied multitude closed around their victim. The pen shrinks to write, the heart sickens to conceive the fierceness of the captive's agony. The work was done, the blackened trunk was flung to the dogs, and with clamorous shouts and hootings, the murderers sought to drive away the spirit of the victim. The Iroquois reckoned those barbarities among their most exquisite enjoyments. Here's another charming Iroquois practice. After killing a sufficient number of captives, Parkman says, the Iroquois spared the lives of the remainder and adopted them as members of their confederated tribes, separating wives from husbands and children from parents and distributing them among different villages in order that old ties and associations might be completely broken up. And for the feminists out there, the Iroquois humiliated conquered tribes by making the men take women's names. Because of the Iroquois barbaric attacks, by the time the pilgrims arrived, northern New Hampshire— the whole of Vermont and western Massachusetts had no human tenants but the roving hunter and prowling warrior. Hollywood's white demons were white saviors to the Wampanoag. The pilgrims also had much to be thankful for on the first Thanksgiving. Of the approximately 100 passengers on the Mayflower, only half survived the first winter, felled by scurvy, malnutrition and the bitter cold and the ones who made it did so largely thanks to the friendly wampanoag who shared their food with the europeans and taught them how to till the land the woke version of the american indians make them just another victim group like the transgenders their honor and bravery is drained from the pc stories to better smear our country indians have have to be made big fat losers the truth told by parkman shows the savage savagery and superstition but also the courage and honor of american indians the hurons for example quote held it disgraceful to turn from the face of an enemy unquote and even when it when being tortured alive a huron would raise his voice in quote scorn and defiance unquote Doesn't anyone wonder why we name our sports teams and military armaments after Indians? We don't name them after weaklings or whiners. Americans love to boast of having Indian blood, real or imagined, and not just to score a professorship at Harvard like Elizabeth Warren. Real Americans honor Indians and also honor the courageous European settlers who brought Christian civilization to a continent a miraculous union that we celebrate on this wonderful holiday. Now, if you listened any to Rush Limbaugh, 
or read any of his books, you will also read that a very significant aspect of Thanksgiving was the fact that when the uh, compact or the charter was written on the Mayflower on how people, they, they, in other words, they were, it was the rules for society, how we were going to operate us hundred people. And when they got off, they agreed to uh, manage life in a certain fashion without going into too many details because I have too much to say about other things today. But they essentially were living communally and living in a socialist fashion. They thought that would be the fairest because they needed to pay back the investors in their journey from Europe. And they needed to raise the money and they needed to pool all their money, they thought, and then pay it back to the investors to help them get over there. It was a disaster because socialism discourages hard work and innovation and sacrifice. So after a period of time, they divided up the property and people, uh, because what they found is some people worked hard, no matter what, what public, uh, what uh, economic system they're working under. Some people will work hard because they're people of integrity and other people just don't give a crap and they'll, they'll coast on other people's work. So they, they divided up the properties. They gave people a lot of land, uh, a chunk of land, and then asked them to whatever they could uh, sell to others. They create a market system, capitalistic system, and they uh, began to thrive and prosper and had enough to share with one another and within 100 years became the top industrial nation in the world. That's amazing. You can read all about it in, in Rush Limbaugh's books, or uh, there are a couple, I'm going to give you a couple links to uh, historical uh, Christian historical buffs that uh, actually have built their argument based upon the actual written documents that are preserved from the early days of this country. And one person is David Barton with Wall Builders, and you could go to Wall Builders, just the common spelling wall and builders, all one word, wallbuilders.com, and you can look up all kinds of historical uh, information there. The other uh, place is there's a, a historian named Bill Federer, F-E-D-E-R-E-R, Federer, Bill Federer, F-E-D-E-R-E-R. But the website is American Minute, all one word, AmericanMinute.com. And if you want to learn about or, or get books or tapes or videos, etc., DVDs, whatever you want to call them nowadays, visual or audio, you can get them from these guys. If you have children, this is a gold mine. It's a gold, I'm telling you, it's a gold mine to circumvent the uh, propaganda from the uh, American government school system. So check that out. And uh, I want to go on and, and tell you some things that, that news to me as I was preparing for this show today. And let me go over to, I'm looking at Bill Federer's information and let me get to it. So it's interesting. You know, we kind of think of Thanksgiving connected to the pilgrims, right? But Federer goes much deeper. And he says that during the days of the America's founding, colonies would declare a days of fast, 
fasting when times were they excuse me let me back up during the days of america's founding colonies would declare number one days of prayer when times were bad number two days of fasting when times were real bad and days of thanksgiving when things turned around right does that make sense to you that makes sense to me and so he can he has a whole book of this this type of information so um they begin to can you imagine politicians today can you, even stretching your brain can you imagine politicians today declaring a day of fasting and prayer how often have you ever heard that or if ever this was a common thing in the American early years, even all the way up to the Civil War. For instance, I'm reading the actual document, a proclamation for the annual fast, right? And it goes on to talk about it. Friday, the 7th of April. And it tells the governor's name by the, by the, uh, Anyway, the excellency by his excellency, Charles Bell, governor. So Federer goes on to say these uh, these peoples that came and settled along the coast developed into colonies like New Hampshire, Massachusetts, and they had annual days of fasting, often on Good Friday. This is evidence that the colonists were not deists or believers just in God who believed on who just believed on God, set the laws of nature in place and then let the world run on its own. America's founders believed in in a living relationship with God where if people sinned, he would call them to repent. If people did not repent, he would let judgment come. And then when they repented, he would send deliverance. So it's interesting that that there was often days of thanksgiving called after they won a battle in America. I've not heard that before. It says, During a threatened war, Ben Franklin published a proclamation of a general fast in the Pennsylvania Gazette, December 12, 1747. It said, The calamities of a bloody war seem every year more nearly to approach us, and there is just reason to fear that unless we humble ourselves before the Lord and amend our ways, we may be chastised with yet heavier judgments. Now, I want you, as I'm reading a couple of these, to think about the trauma and the crisis we are in in American society today, where we have people trying to overthrow this government tonight, actually tonight. You might think, is this a time, instead of eating extra turkey, maybe we should fast, and maybe we should pray. Or maybe if you can't fast, maybe you should pray and ask God if you did anything wrong to remind you of it, so you could say, I'm sorry about that. Don't judge us. Don't cause calamity to come on the nation. So there's one, they have actual photo, photographs of the actual articles in the paper or the, or the placards that were printed declaring these fasts. It says, we have thought fit to appoint a day of fasting. This is another one. To join with one accord in the most humble and fervent supplications that Almighty God would mercifully interpose and, and still the rage of war among the nations and put a stop to the effusion of the Christian blood. 
Thomas Jefferson drafted a day of fasting for Virginia in 1774 to be observed on the day of British ships blockaded when they blockaded Boston's Harbor. He says, quote, with apprehension from the hostile invasion of the city of Boston, whose commerce and harbor are to be stopped by an armed force, deem it highly necessary that the said first day of June be set apart by the members of the House as a day of fasting, humiliation, and prayer devoutly to implore the divine interposition. Today, we have people screwing their their uh, interns, screwing fellow men and fellow women, molesting people, going on television and lying to the population. Do you ever hear Mr. Schumer or Miss Pelosi declaring a day of fasting, humiliation, and prayer devoutly to implore the divine interposition? After the Declaration of Independence was proclaimed July 4, 1776, the first national day of Thanksgiving was declared by the Continental Congress on November 1, 1777. Why? Not because of some turkeys, not because of anything that happened at Plymouth Rock. They did this on November 1, 1777, a proclamation to celebrate the victory over the British General Burgoyne at the Battle of Saratoga. And over and over, after one battle after another, you'll see that they declared these Thanksgiving uh, times of Thanksgiving prayer and celebration when things went their way. If not, they fasted. I'm going to be right back, and we're going to continue on this note for a time so you, we can get the truth. Be right back. Being beat up and battered around. Being sent up and I've been shot down. What if the trust you had in your republic was shattered overnight? What if the dramatic stories and scenes you watch in the comfort of your home started playing out in real life, right before your eyes? Is that what's happening? Are we living through an episode of Scandal or House of Cards? Literally overnight, Americans lost faith in the security of their elections. Middle of the night ballot dumps, glitches, and secret vote counting certainly raised suspicion. Then, things only got worse. Enter Dominion Voting Software. 6,000 votes. Yes, that's right, 6,000 votes switched from President Trump to former Vice President Joe Biden in the vital swing state of Michigan, no less. Many in the media rushed to chalk this up to human error, which begs the question, why on earth are we using software that is so easily corrupted by humans? Surely we should be able to have enough trust in our elections to believe that the folks running them are competent enough to not make a mess of things. Sadly, that doesn't seem to be the case. Don't believe me? Just look at what happened right here in my home state of Arizona. The Republican chair of the Maricopa County Republican Party, the largest county in the country, was forced to resign from her position for failing to attend a pre-election test of the county's ballot tabulation machines. And who owns those machines? You guessed it, Dominion. 
This isn't the first time questions have been raised about Dominion voting software. Last year, the Texas Secretary of State rejected Dominion, citing multiple hardware and software issues. And guess which state hasn't had any voting irregularities? Dominion software almost cost this man his job. Meet Michigan resident Adam Kokendurfer. Adam went to bed thinking he had lost his bid for re-election as Oakland County Commissioner, only to wake up to find out that a Dominion glitch gave his hard-fought win to his opponent. Luckily for Adam, this mistake was caught. All roads lead to Dominion, it seems. The Canadian company is one of three voting softwares primarily used in American elections. Oddly enough, almost every single state, down to the county that's being challenged, implements Dominion. It's reported that in 2016, Dominion voting system reached approximately 71 million voters in 1,635 jurisdictions in the U.S. According to experts, if one site has a flaw, other sites are likely to have it as well. That is terrifying. And it only gets scarier. When you dig deeper, hmm, according to Sidney Powell, a member of President Trump's legal team, Dominion software allows vote counters to switch votes. She even alleges that some leaders knowingly brought faulty software into their states and into jurisdictions and claims there's evidence of kickbacks for officials who signed contracts with Dominion. Substantial sums of money being given to family members of state officials who bought the software. Mrs. Powell also alleges that Nancy Pelosi's former chief of staff became a lobbyist for Dominion and that Diane Feinstein's husband is a significant shareholder in the company. Oh, and a member of Joe Biden's transition team allegedly sits on the board of Smartmatic, a subsidiary of Dominion. If Dominion is so easily corrupted by outside forces, can you blame Americans for their concern at who might be pulling the strings? Something smells fishy. This is the United States of America for crying out loud. We are not a banana republic. This isn't some far-fetched conspiracy theory. In 2016, an explosive investigation spearheaded by Princeton University professor Andrew Appel exposed just how easily this software can be corrupted. In his report, Appel outlines how a simple $4 computer chip can hack a machine to switch votes. Four years ago, someone raised concerns, and yet here we are. Americans have lost faith in their ability to decide who represents them. This absolutely deserves an investigation. If we can spend years investigating fake Russia collusion claims, surely, surely we can take a deeper look into all of these irregularities tied to Dominion. After all, if they have nothing to hide, they should have nothing to worry about, right? Or does that only apply to fake dossiers used to spy on President Trump's campaign? <laughs> Americans should have confidence in the election process, and our officials that are elected must provide it. No amount of fraud is acceptable. We need a full, transparent, and independent election audit to make sure all legal votes are counted. 
71 million Americans don't just deserve answers, we demand them. And yourself and hide out in the cellar. Now the fighting will be close at hand. Don't believe the church and state and everything they tell you. a gun and ammunition just inside the doorway use it only in emergency it's better you should pray to God the Father and the Spirit to guide you and protect you from up here can you hear all right, check this out. Uh, the grateful feeling that goes on and says, uh, this is talking about their victory at the, over, over this British General Burgoyne at the Battle of Saratoga. Quote, the, the grateful feeling of their hearts joined the penitent confession of their manifold sins that it may please God through the merits of Jesus Christ mercifully to forgive and blot them out of remembrance and under the provision of Almighty God, secure for the United States the greatest of all human blessings, independence, and peace. Now, these prayers, as we look backwards, actually worked because in just a hundred years, they went from just raw land and sleeping out under the stars to the most powerful industrial nation in the world. After John Paul Jones commanding the Bonham uh, Richard, which is a ship, captured the British ship HMS Serapis on September 23, 1779, the Continental Congress declared a day of thanksgiving, recommending that the states do likewise. Why? Because they want a victory. In accordance with the Virginia governor, with this, Virginia governor Thomas Jefferson proclaimed, November 11, 1779, Congress hath thought proper to recommend to the several states a day of public and solemn thanksgiving to Almighty God for his mercies and a prayer for the continuance of his favor that he would go forth with our hosts and crown our arms with victory, that he would grant his to his church. This is the Thomas Jefferson that people say was didn't know God, that he would grant to his church a plentiful effusions of divine grace and pour out the holy, his Holy Spirit on all ministers of the gospel. And that he would bless and prosper the means of education and spread the light of the Christian knowledge through the remotest corners of the earth. I do therefore issue a proclamation appointing a day of public and solemn thanksgiving and prayer to Almighty God, given under by hand this 11th day of November in the year of our Lord, 1779, Thomas Jefferson. Now, 
We today are uh, under siege by treasonous men and women. They haven't been held to account yet. They haven't been shot yet. They haven't been hung yet. They haven't been put in a prison yet. But we're, we're, it remains to be seen who will prevail in the United States of America. But there is no doubt, as Trump has been firing military leaders and the head of the defense, Mr. Esper, that there are people that are traitors to the president of the United States. And uh, we haven't heard that there's open warfare yet, people being shot or people being incarcerated. Uh, but it may be happening at any time. We don't know. I don't know. It's a big country, and there's a lot going on in this country of 335 or 40 million people. But I want to, I'm talking about Thanksgiving, and I'm talking about the, it, it just wasn't a day of the year where they celebrated something that happened many, many years ago. Plus, they celebrated like tonight when we prayed before we ate dinner tonight. Uh, we, uh, in a circle, prayed and thanked thank Jesus for forgiving us and for reaching out and drawing us to himself. But after the, the things were so difficult during the early days of the nation, there were many times where people called out to God for survival, whether it was physical survival for food and getting through a bad storm or difficult things with warring people, whether they were uh, renegades from uh, Europe or, or criminals to uh, difficulties with people that we call them Native Americans, if you want to call them, or the Indians. But also they had days of Thanksgiving after treasonous situations. So after traitor, remember Benedict Arnold? After traitor Benedict Arnold's plot to betray West Point was thwarted, that means stopped, the Continental Congress proclaimed a day of Thanksgiving on October 18, 1780. They said, in the late remarkable interposition of his watchful providence, he's ta they're talking about God when they talk about providence, they're talking about God, his watchful, his is capitalized, his, God's watchful providence. In the late remarkable interposition, in other words, they thought all hell was going to, and you can see, see these same type of words at Valley Forge at times when it looked like the, uh, the Americans were being defeated in the war for independence when things looked very bad. We were losing one battle after another. You can see things time and time again, and they will use these terms, remarkable interposition of his watchful providence in the rescuing the person of our commander-in-chief. Now, the commander-in-chief is the president of the United States. I want you to hear this now. They were thinking that the commander-in-chief was going to be assassinated, killed. In the late remarkable interposition of his watchful providence in the rescuing the person of our commander-in-chief and the army from imminent dangers at the moment when treason was ripened for execution. This is talking about an intervention that uh, that stopped disaster. Now I want to go on. Was ripened that treason was ripened for execution. It is therefore recommended a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to confess our confess our unworthiness and to offer fervent supplications to the God of all grace 
to cause the knowledge of Christianity to spread all over the earth. Now, it's interesting that they don't just stop with, thank God he didn't kill the president, amen, right? They could have stopped right there. That's where most Americans were stopped. But these people weren't like Americans today because they had a global vision. And you'll see over and over again in the Thanksgiving prayers that they just don't say, thank you for saving our ass, right? Thank you for we didn't get killed. Thank you that we didn't starve. Thank you that we were able to have a baby. They didn't just say that. What they did is they tied everything into the mission of a worldwide God, a global God, and they keep saying to this and to offer fervent supplications to God of all grace to cause the knowledge of Christianity to spread over all the earth. That's why Columbus... That's one of the reasons Columbus was wanting to go to what he called the new world. It wasn't to distribute smallpox. It wasn't to screw Indians. It wasn't to, uh, he was looking to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what they keep repeating. You'll see founding members of our society back in those days, they kept repeating. Why did they say that? Because they knew the Bible. That's way ahead of most Americans. Most Americans, they don't even know how to spell the word Bible. Nor, I asked a supervisor yesterday at lunch if he ever had read the book of Esther, and he laughed at me and told me he went to Catholic school, which meant actually nothing. It was just a stupid, stupid. He was, it was a nervous, stupid comment instead of being a full-grown human being answering an honest question honestly. So at the at the time when Benedict, Benedict Arnold, we say, oh, you know what most most of what we learn about in school, Benedict Arnold, yeah, he was a traitor and he got a, we don't even know the whole story. They were trying to uh, overturn the country, overturn, kill our commander in chief and uh, destroy our army. But it says at the moment when treason was ripened for execution, they figured it out. After after the Brit after British General Cornwallis surrendered at Yorktown Con- Yorktown, Congress proclaimed another day of Thanksgiving on October 11, 1782, saying it it being the indispensable duty of all nations to offer up their supplications to Almighty God, the United States in Congress assembled do hereby recommend it to the inhabitants of these states in general to observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of solemn thanksgiving for all his mercies. How did that come about? Because they thought they were going to get their their butt kicked by British General Cornwallis and God delivered them. You see what I'm saying? After the Treaty of Paris ended the Revolutionary War, Congress recommended that the states declare a day of thanksgiving, says Massachusetts Governor John Hancock, who was a former president of the Continental Congress, proclaimed a day of thanksgiving on November 8, 1783. He said, these are guys that all these liberals and communists in our college campuses say didn't know anything about God and weren't Christians and were screwing all these slaves all the time. The citizens of the United States have every reason for praise and gratitude to the God of their salvation. Oh, my goodness, they believed in a thing called salvation. And the liberals are laughing. And, you know, you guys are just holy rollers. 
I do appoint the 11th day of December next, the day recommended by the Congress to all the states, to be religiously observed as a day of thanksgiving and prayer, that all the people may assemble to celebrate that he hath pleased to continue to us the light of the blessed gospel. It's interesting what they wanted out of this. They didn't want four-story buildings. They didn't want a septic tank. They asked that he be pleased to continue to us, to give to us the light or the revelation of the blessed gospel. They go on, that we also offer up fervent supplications to cause pure religion and virtue to flourish and to fill the world with his glory. You see that? They had a worldwide vision that somehow this small group of people called 13 colonies eventually would have a worldwide impact. It wasn't just self-satisfaction. I just want to get my two-story house. I just want to get my plot of land, right? I want to get my store, right? I want to be wealthy. No, 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 no. It was always buying into the world vision of, of, of the spreading of the gospel. After the passing of the Bill of Rights, which included the First Amendment, Congress requested President George Washington issue a National Day of Thanksgiving. Every couple of years, one thing after another. I won't go through all these. I'm going to move on to other topics. I'm telling you, if you will just do a little research, a little Googling, and get over to David Barton or Bill Federer at the American Minute, or you start Googling Thanksgiving, and I'm telling you, your understanding, appreciation, and your backbone and in, in wanting to fight for this country uh, will be strengthened. You have been taught that this is a non-religious country. It isn't. Remember, Obama just said this isn't a Christian nation. It never was a Christian nation, he said. He is, you know, if you get, if you get lied to enough and you don't know the truth yourself, you are going to act, uh, you're going to make a lot of wrong decisions. Let me just put it, you're going to make a bunch of wrong decisions. Uh, but after one thing after another, after the Revolutionary War, after the Whiskey Rebellion, after the Cornwallis defeat, after, 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 they, they uh, proclaimed uh, days of Thanksgiving, on and 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 on. That was the history of our early days. Where did that go? You know something? I have friends that are Mexican. They 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 are full blood Mexican, and they have um, their parents came from Mexico, and they were born here, my friends. And I asked them. They go to our church, and I said, "Hey, Rich, you know how to speak Spanish?" He said, "No." I said, "What happened?" He said, "My parents wanted me to learn English, so I learned English, and they they didn't put a lot of emphasis on Spanish." I'm not here to criticize his parents or Richard. They're both they're both wonderful people. It's a great family. But I'm just saying to you that in one generation, they gave up their native tongue. They could have learned both languages. Their parents really wanted them to do good. All those kids in that family all thrived and prof- prospered. They, they're wonderful citizens, served in the military, done wonderful things. But I, my only point is, that you can give up something that's the most precious thing in your life and immediately. Esau gave up his birthright for a, a bowl of food. 
gave up his firstborn birthright, the major thing in the Jewish customs, gave up his birthright. You can give up your birthright. You can, you can give up the, the blessing of what millions of people have sacrificed in this country for because your stupidity, your ignorance. That can change. And no matter what age you are, that can change. You can, in, in a half hour a day or a half hour in one day, you could, you could enlighten yourself against all the lies that are being perpetrated in the American media. In fact, I, I am not, uh, I'm not arrogant and I'm not prideful about not uh, having a television hooked up. But I just decided many, many years ago to not do, have it hooked up anymore and spend more time reading and uh, this is before computers were even in. And uh, I'm telling you today, with the current tumult, tumult and the coup that is, a t- that is a happening and the, the hoax of COVID, if you do not turn off the television and get off the mainstream media, I have no hope for you. I just don't have any hope for you. Uh, because you're being indoctrinated and propagandized and you're running around town with like a co-text wrap, wrapped around your nose, thinking that that's going to stop you from ever getting ill. You're just totally out of your mind. And uh, I'm, I have a clip here today that should shock you to death, and I'm going to talk about it as well. So uh, let me get back over to another spot here. Uh, we just got a few minutes left on the second segment. Um, okay, so I talked to you about Benedict Arnold's situation uh, I want to just say uh, this is uh, let me just read this to you because it talks about being uh, seduced. I'm not talking about sexually seduced. I'm talking about seduced by being ignorant and being being seduced into compliance uh, that's going to destroy your life. And I want to read you this and uh, I don't know if I can get through it in three minutes, but I'll try it's a story. There was a chemistry professor in a large college that had some exchange students in the class. One day while the class was in lab, the professor noticed one man, young man, one of the exchange students who kept rubbing his back and stretching as if his back hurt. The professor asked the young man what the matter was. The student told him he had a bullet lodged in his black back. He had been shot while fighting communists in his native country, uh, who were trying to overthrow the country's government and install a new communist regime. In the midst of his story, he looked at the professor and asked a strange question of the professor. He asked, do you know how to catch wild pigs? The professor thought it was a joke and asked for the punchline. The young man said that it was no joke. You catch wild pigs by finding a suitable place in the woods and putting corn on the ground. The pigs find it and begin to come every day to eat the free corn. When they are used to coming every day, you put a fence down one side of the place where they're used to coming. When they get used to that side of the fence, they begin to eat the corn again, and you put up another side of the fence. They get used to that and start to eat again. You continue until you have all four sides of the fence up with a gate in the last side. The pigs, which are used to the free corn, start to come through the gate to eat that free corn again. You then slam the gate on them and catch the whole herd. Suddenly, the wild pigs have lost their freedom. They run around and around inside the fence, but they are caught. Soon they go back to eating the free corn. 
They are so used to it that they have forgotten how to forage in the woods for themselves, and they accept their captivity. The young man then told the professor that is exactly what he sees happening in America today. The government keeps pushing us towards communism or socialism and keeps spreading the free corn out in the form of programs such as supplemental income, tax credit, unearned income, tax exemptions, tobacco subsidies, dairy subsidies, payments to the payments for plant to not plant crops, welfare entitlements, medicine, drugs, etc., while we continually lose our freedoms. Just a little at a time as the government forces us to participate in many of the programs, whether or not we want to, like masks, six feet apart, staying indoors. One should always remember two truths. There is no such thing as a free lunch, and you can never hire someone to provide a service for you cheaper then you can do it yourself. If you see that all this wonderful government help is a problem confronting the future of democracy in America, you might want to pass these words along. I think that's what's going on in America, and I just think during this COVID uh, hoax, there's no part of this COVID hoax that is not a lie. There, let me just say that again. There is no part of the hoax. All these maneuvers, all these uh, levels, keeping track, pro- producing stuff in the paper every day, numbers, 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 mass, 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 all that stuff is baloney. Shutting down schools is baloney. The whole thing is baloney. The only thing that's actually uh, a fact is that people are getting a cold the same time they do each year. But they've just taken that, and now you can't go to work if you have it. So uh, we're going to be we're going to take a break. We're at our second break, so we'll be right back and start our third segment. Hi, would you like to know how to be more obedient? Of course you would. It helps get rid of things like freedom, self-expression, and happiness. But being strictly obedient not only means you're contributing to a better world, it also gives you a life you'll enjoy living. So pay close attention so you can learn how to be more obedient. Think that the people controlling you are protecting you. You need to think that the people controlling you are doing so for your own good. That way you'll allow them to continue having power over you. It's the way any perpetrator wants their abuse victim to think. Wait for permission. You know inspiring people are just losers who tell you to live your life boldly and not wait for anybody to give you permission to take action and follow your heart. Instead, it's best to hide inside waiting for someone else to give you permission for when you can go outside, see your family, or exercise. Live in fear. You can't be obedient unless you're first constantly in fear. So be sure to pay very close attention to words and headlines that are designed to make you scared. Words like COVID cases and headlines constantly reminding you how many people could die rather than how many have died will help you. Believe censorship is protecting you. Instead of knowing you're an intelligent adult who can think for yourself, Understand you need the supreme leaders of Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey to tell you what's true. 
and hide everything else from you to protect you from your own thoughts. <laughs> it's not condescension, it's protection. Believe what the media tells you. As you watch propaganda constantly being fed to you by the media, just believe that the propaganda they're feeding you is true. <laughs> because it's in English, not Chinese. So you can trust it. Treat safety as your life's purpose. Instead of being brave, just live in denial that death is part of reality as you enjoy your passionate pursuit of safety. But just know you can eventually come out of the coffin of your comfort zone once there's no more death in the world. Because then it'll be safe. Outsource your truth. Don't trust your perspective. It's not shaped by anybody but you. So it's probably just misinformation. Instead, for example, when you see that the overall death rate during this year of the deadly pandemic is a little bit less than the overall death toll of 2018, keep trusting the untrustworthy people who tell you it's deadlier than the factual numbers you're seeing on the CDC website. You're being gaslit. Bonus obedience! With your health and well-being, blindly trust computer programmers who have been found guilty in federal antitrust lawsuits. Never question corrupt authorities. When you see a supreme leader like Gavin Newsom sitting inside a restaurant in close proximity with 12 unmasked people, just know he didn't want you to find out. So it doesn't count. But keep doing what he tells you to do, even though it's obvious he doesn't think it's necessary to do what he's telling you to do. After all, he didn't get elected to a position of power to not have power over people. Don't think for yourself. When people around you are afraid of something that your heart and own critical thinking tell you you don't need to be afraid of, betray yourself and be afraid like everyone else. Instead of being a leader, you'll feel like you fit in by being a sheep. And sheep are some of the most inspiringly obedient animals in existence. As you suffocate your freedoms with the joy of obedience, you'll never have to wonder what it's like in North Korea. Because you'll be living it. Enjoy being obedient. One America, Chanel Rian speaks with founder of FEC United, Joel Altman, who made a bombshell discovery about a key member of Dominion's leadership. Joe, you infiltrated an Antifa conference call this past September and accidentally came upon a top Dominion Voting Systems executive named Eric Coomer. Describe that call and what it led you to find. It was interesting how the, how the call started. Somebody says, who's Eric? He says, Eric's Dominion guy. Someone actually said, you know, hey, go ahead. I told him to continue speaking. Um, and someone interrupts and says, uh, what are we going to do if effing Trump wins? And Eric responds, and I'm paraphrasing this, by the way, um, don't worry about the election. Trump is not going to win. I made effing sure of that. And then they started laughing and somebody says effing right. At that point, I thought to myself, you know, this guy's crazy. These people are crazy because they think that they are, you know, Jedi warriors and they can just will themselves to Trump not winning. Fast forward to just after the election, Oldman sees an article concerning Georgia's last-minute Dominion voting software updates. The article cites Eric speaking on behalf of Dominion. Oldman remembers his September call and begins to dig deeper. Um, and, but I did do research on Eric, and so I just put it a simple Google search to start, which was Eric Dominion, uh, Denver, Colorado. And Eric Coomer came up immediately under Dominion voting systems. Anytime that there was a a press release, Eric Coomer was the one giving that press release. Anytime that they were pitching the product to uh, different municipalities, he was the one pitching the product. And I'm talking about Arizona, uh, uh, Wisconsin, 
um, Georgia, Pennsylvania, you name it, his name pops up everywhere. The real shocker came when Oldman found Coomer's Facebook posts. And when I got access to his Facebook, you get that sinking feeling like what, like what, this is, this is crazy. Here, here's a director of security and, excuse me, of strategy and security at Dominion. Um, and when I got into his Facebook page, uh, that's when things really started to kind of come together for me that, you know, that Eric Coomer was this, you know, that he, he was not just Antifa. He was, um, he was responsible for putting his finger on the, the uh, scales of our, our election. Posts including the Antifa manifesto, vitriolic posts against all Trump voters, song links like Dead Prez and F the Police and F the USA. Altman says Coomer had the title and the power to exercise his vitriol through Dominion. If Coomer is investigated and found to have indeed tampered with a presidential election, such an action could be tried for treason. Unfortunately, the question is, Will the FBI step up to investigate? For more on this interview and others, tune in for OAN's upcoming investigation on Dominion. All right, I'm going to take a, a second here and I want to pitch a couple things that you might like. Uh, they're free and it's entertaining. And a lot of people have been holed up thinking they're doing the government a favor or saving their own life, which are both a lie. Uh, and uh, they're staying apart. In fact, tonight I, I enjoyed it was uh, it was a normal Thanksgiving dinner. People hugged each other, uh, shook hands, uh, hung out, sat shoulder to shoulder. It was awesome. And uh, nobody... Uh, nobody was worried about getting anything. And if somebody gets any, at something, so what? It's just life, right? Life. So uh, anyway, I want to pitch a couple things that uh, if you're in uh, the Yuba Sutter counties or Northern California, Yuba Sutter Butte, Nevada counties, you could get here. These are free uh, entertainment and educational and uh, for the whole family, no matter what age. So uh, one is a play at Glad Tidings at 1179 Eager Road in uh, North Yuba City. It's right off Highway 99. You can get off at the Eager Road exit north of Yuba City, 1179 Eager Road. And uh, there's a play going on. It starts at 7 o'clock, December 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8, 4th through the 8th. Okay? It's December 4th through the 8th, 7 o'clock. It's called Prospects. It's a very good play. It, it was original, written, and... Uh, the music, the the script, the whole thing was written by folks locally here, local actors. It's very good, and uh, it's for the whole family, no charge. If you want to, I think that they they ask if you want to make a contribution towards what the work of putting the set together. But nobody's paid. It does cost some money to put the thing on, but um, Glad Tidings absorbs that if they don't get enough money because I think it's a good community benefit. So it's actually a comedy. It'll probably be some singing in it. Be very fun. And you can set up close, but uh, it the, each night they'll hold about five, six, seven hundred people. Okay, prospects. So that's something December 4th through the 8th coming right up. The other thing is it's coming right up. In other words, starting tomorrow is what we call the Festival of Lights at Glad Tidings. It's the second year they've done it. And it's a, it's a uh, 
uh, celebration that's combination Christmas backslash Hanukkah. And so they've decorated the whole campus at Church of Glad Tidings. There's activities. You don't have to just drive through. There's things that you can just drive in and see, but you could park your car. You can get out. You can go in the buildings. There's people to tell you what to do. It it happens from 6 to 8 at night on three different nights. They're Friday nights. One's November 27, December 11, and December 18th. What you have sandwiched in there on one Friday night is the play. So no Friday night, the 27th, which is, well, actually, when you hear this, it's going to be too late for the 27th because you're going to hear this on the 28th or later. So let's let's move it over, and uh, you're going to have time to go to the play, December 4th through the 8th, and then you can catch the Festival of Lights, December 11th and December 18th, okay? So you can fit in all those, and they're all free and all Christmassy and uh, all fun and a great memory for your children if it's been stressful for you, which I assume it has. I don't have small kids, so uh, it's. I think it's stressful for anybody. What what the uh, the global the globalists that want a one world government? What they put everybody through is. Uh, my feeling is, uh, if I could take them out physically, kill them, I would kill them. Uh, what they've done to the world, what they've done to people. I've had friends that have killed themselves. Uh, overdosed. Uh, I ain't happy. Lou ain't happy at all. And uh, if I, I'm bigger, I'm thinking every day. I'm thinking, how can I get back at these guys and stop this? So Festival of Lights, December 11th and 18th, six to eight o'clock at night. It's just it. You can pick your time. You don't have to spend the whole time there. You just dip in, dip out, check it out. There's free refreshments. There's it's it's a fun time. Games, all kinds of stuff. So. Um, and then prospects to play, it starts at 7 o'clock on December 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8. Okay. The other thing is, uh, if you're interested in uh, spiritual things, there's a guy uh, that we uh, look forward to coming here. He's a missionary from uh, with the Aztecs in Mexico. His name's David Hogan. If you know David Hogan or you can Google him, David Hogan, uh, he is—I uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time getting into it— uh, you should come and listen. He's going to be here December 12 at 7 o'clock at night and December 13th, 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. David Hogan, missionary. Uh, he's seen, uh, the, I know a lot of you just going to write this off. I don't believe it, but I'm just going to say it because it's a fact. He's seen the dead raised. You see it in the Bible. You read about it in the Bible. Jesus said you should, you'll be able to do these things. He does them. Uh, they have done them. People have done them on his team in, in rural Mexico where it's gnarly. So uh, David Hogan, okay? So that's that, and I think that's all the extra stuff I wanted to say there. All right. So um, let me get on down to my next thing here that I wanted to read to you or talk to you about. What's going on with COVID, uh, and uh, you're going to hear it on this clip from a pathologist, a renowned international guy, is a total hoax. And it's, it's they're using uh, the typical coronavirus, which has been around for hundreds of years. And uh, we've known it as a coronavirus. That's why they don't have a, a, a vaccine or a uh uh, uh, what do they call it? A medicine for the common cold. You can go over there and buy it at the drugstore. Um, but they, the globalists have taken this and they have scared the hell out of people. Literally. They scared people to death. 
literally. And um, they've taken something that is real. People get ill, right? People get, I remember when I was just born, people get ill. When I watch people get ill, get better, get ill, get better. Some people die. It's life, right? But they've made life too much of a risk. And they've totally propagandized people. And they said, oh, you you all got to wear a mask. It's totally satanic to wear a mask. It's satanic. God created you so people could look into your face, to look into your soul and communicate with you. God created us as human beings to run in packs like we're, we're animals. We're the highest level of such. We're human beings, but we are designed to live in families, to live in communities, to play with each other, to work with each other, to hug each other, to kiss each other, to shake hands with each other, whatever your custom. And we have an immune system that when that's working right, it does a pretty good job if we pass germs back and forth to deal with those germs and not get us sick. And the fact is, what people that study virology tell me is that if you don't exchange germs with your friend, you are going to get sick. Now, isn't that interesting? People that are close to me that, are, that studied this in school, that if you quarantine, self-quarantine, self-isolate, your immune system gets weaker, just like if you don't go exercise, you don't go for a walk, you don't work out at the gym, you don't ever do anything physical, and you sit in a chair all day, your limbs will get itty-bitty, no muscles. And pretty soon you won't be able to get your little rear end out of that, your bony rear end out of that chair. When you sat down years ago, you used to have a nice round rear end. Now you just got a little bony rear end, right? You need to put a extra little pad under there because you, your muscles have all... Uh, atrophied and it's the same thing with your immune system your immune system and i was just talking to my friend tonight we were talking about Im immunity when the first missionaries left england and america to go to the coasts of india and africa most only last six months why they get discouraged and come home no they drop dead and their kids drop dead why because their immune system did not have the ability to deal with the fresh bugs, if I can put it that way, the germs of Africa that the Africans had kind of acclimated to and the, and the Chinese and the Indians. But the Americans and the British went over there and until they could serve, some of them would survive and they'd do okay. But many times they'd lose two or three kids or their wife or one or the other, Right. We need to have our immune system built up. When you go into isolation, when you don't interact with, if you stay apart from any, you're going to be sick. The globalists want you to be sick. I know if you don't. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because you think I'm far out there. You're, you're. I don't. We're not going to be able to help you. I just wanted to do a lead-in to the what I call it's a it's a it's a writing about the human touch. Guy says, I spent an hour in the bank with my dad. I, I, this, this reminded me of myself and my dad. My, my mother died first. My dad lived another eight years and was not happy being alone. And so my, my world as, as being his son and his world clashed. We didn't personally clash, but he had different ways of looking at things. And he, and he had good reason to look at them that way. So this guy, 
and his dad, it reminded me of my, my, my dad and I. So he says, I spent an hour in the bank with my dad, and he had to transfer some money. I couldn't resist myself, and I asked, Dad, why don't we activate your in- internet banking? Well, he said, why, do I, why would I want to do that? Well, I said, he said, the son, then you won't have to spend an hour here f- trying to transfer this money. You can even do your shopping online. Everything will be so easy for you, Dad. I was so excited about initiating him into the world of net banking. He asked, my dad asked, if I do that, I won't have to step out of the house. Yes, yes, I said. I told him how even groceries can be delivered at the door now and how Amazon delivers everything. His answer left me tongue-tied. He said, since I entered the bank today, I have met four of my friends. I've chatted a while with the staff who know me very well by now. You know, I'm alone, he said. This is a company that I need. I like to get ready, and I like to come to the bank. I have enough time. It's the physical touch that I crave. Two years back, I got sick, he said. The store owner, from whom I buy fruit, came to see me and sat by my bedside and cried. When, my, when your mom fell down a few days back, while on her morning walk, our local grocer saw her and immediately got his car to rush her home, as he knows where we live. Would I have that human touch if everything became online? Why would I want everything delivered to me and force me to interact with just my computer? I like to know the person that I'm dealing with, and not just the seller. It creates bonds of relationships. Does Amazon deliver all this as well? Technology isn't life. Spend time with people, he said, not with devices. I want to pose something to you. What's being presented to us in every community across the United States and around the world in different ways is to disengage from life. Don't get involved in sports. Don't get involved in clubs. We can't go to AANA. We can't go to the Elks Club, the Moose Lodge. We can't be involved in anything special where groups, we have to avoid groups at all costs. We can't go to sporting events. We All pro sports have been done. College sports pretty much have been done. School is done. They say we'll never go back to school the same way again. I hope that most parents are realizing that your kids are getting a lot more out of school than just what the teacher's talking to them about. They need to run and play. It's interesting to me to drive by playgrounds that have strips of tape around them saying stay off or no, no admittance or something on them. Get out of here. Stay away. Stop. You can't run. You can't grab. You can't wrestle. You can't tackle. You can't, five-year-olds can't kiss each other, right? It's satanic, people. 
maybe you don't understand things from a spiritual point of view. It's not how humans were designed. If you'll notice, as I've noticed, every single day I go out in the public, I end up in a conflict with verbal conflict with somebody because they don't like the fact that I wear a mask, don't wear a mask, or I don't, I don't stand on the X's or I don't stand six feet apart because it's all, there's not anything that is being portrayed even by medical doctors who are quacks, frauds, like our Dr. Lou here in Yuba Sutter County. She's a total quack, a fraud, and she's dangerous. I would lock her up. I think the sheriff should lock her up. She's killing people. Oh, Lou. No, 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 no. You know something? This is where you're deceived. You do not have to go out and shoot somebody or poison somebody to kill them. You just, like, I, I'll give you an example. I got four minutes left. I want to tell you this story. I was contacted by a lady. We used to live communally. Christians, young people, used, lived communally many years ago. And so she contacted me. I hadn't seen her in 30, 40 years. Her husband just died, cancer. She's about my age and uh, a little younger than me. And she said, Lou, I, I, I live a few hours from you, and I met this guy. He's a Vietnam vet. And he lives in Yuba City, and he has a lot of problems. He broke his back. He's got a heart problem, uh, and he's very independent. He lives alone in a trailer park. He drives, but he had a problem with his heart, and he began to pass out, and he pulled over to the side of the road, so they don't want him to drive. He needs to go to the veterans' hospital and get an operation on his heart, pacemaker, clean out an artery, stuff, that, 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 that. So... So I, I, she says, I have to get up at three in the morning to come and get him to move him to a uh, shuttle to get him there. Da, da, da. Can you do it? And I said, yeah, I'll do it. So he lives right here in Yuba City, just across the bridge, five minutes from where I am. I only have to drive him 15 minutes, hook him over the shuttle. He's on his way to get an operation, be taken care of well by the Veterans Administration. Why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because when I get him in the car, I, and I, got, I called him on the line because I called him because I wanted to find out, hey, I, exactly what we're doing, where we're going to be, what time, da da da, I want you to miss, da da. And uh, so I got to talk. I said, tell me about your life. He said, well, I was in Vietnam, you know, I, was, I uh, served in, v in the Air Force, da da da. Uh, and uh, he said, I've been all over the world, lived in Spain, been here, been there, done this, done that, been a law enforcement official, drove truck for 30 years, been a, involved in like probation and all that around here. Had a great life. And uh, so I said, Gosh, uh, Bill, nobody could bring you, nobody, he had no, no, no family, right? They all died. His son died, brain cancer. So I said, you don't have any friends in Yuba City that could drive you? She, he said, I do, Lou. He says, they're old like me, and, they, and, and they're afraid to leave their house. Isn't this amazing? They are afraid to leave their house. They could. They have a car. And all they'd have to do is drive him 10 minutes Get in the car. He gets in the car. Go 10 minutes over here. Help him get out. He's got a walker at the at the clinic down here on Plymouth Street, and then they could go home. The The people said, we're afraid to leave because they're afraid of COVID. Isn't this a shame? You know who, you know who, you know who's making them afraid? Our boards of supervisors on both sides of the river. And, and the doctor that they hired is causing people to be scared to death. I'm telling you, scared to death. They put they put the numbers that are dying of COVID, which are fraudulent numbers. They are not dying of COVID. They're dying of something else, and they're calling it COVID. 
But the big thing is they are scaring human beings to death. They are isolating human beings. This guy says, I'm, uh, Lou, I live all alone. I, I don't have any contact with anybody with this COVID thing. It's been since February, people. And because I don't believe in it, it's a lie from the devil. It's not, it's, it's way bigger than human beings, people. These are people that are being driven by the devil and demonic forces, including Fong Lu. And she is scaring people to death, mocking people, calling people cavalier, uh, putting people down. She's so full of shit, man. I would kick her out of this county if I, if I could. But these supervisors have no nuts. They are so they're the biggest pansy and and they're all when you when you listen if you at night if you quiet down you can hear the sucking sound as they're sucking the money and the blood out of us and claiming they're leading us this guy is such a quality individual served his country for years not just a typical two-year four-year gig served his country as a as a military veteran in battle, in a police officer, probation, all kinds of stuff. And people his age, friends of his, are scared to death to come and pick him up, even though he he's not sick. I'll be right back. This is our third segment. We're going to our fourth segment. Hang with us. decided 
when we would return to work, we didn't have anyone need anyone to tell us. Masks are utterly useless. There is no evidence base for their effectiveness whatsoever. Paper masks and fabric masks are simply virtue signaling. They're not even worn effectively most of the time. It's, it's utterly ridiculous seeing these unfortunate, uneducated people, I'm not saying that in a purchaser's sense, seeing these people walking around like lemmings, obeying without any knowledge base to put the mask on their face. Social distancing is also useless because COVID is spread by aerosols, which travel 30 meters or so before landing. Enclosures have had such terrible unintended consequences. They should, you, everywhere should be open tomorrow, as was stated in the Great Barrington Declaration that I circulated prior to this meeting. And a word on testing. I do want to emphasize that I'm in the business of, te of testing for COVID. I do want to emphasize that positive test results do not, underlined in neon, mean a clinical infection. It's simply driving public hysteria, and all testing should stop unless you're presenting to hospital with some respiratory problem. All that should be done is to protect the vulnerable and to give them all in the nursing homes that are under your control. Give them all three to 5,000 international units of vitamin D every day, which, is, which has been shown to radically reduce the likelihood of infection. And I would remind you all that using the province's own statistics, the risk of death under 65 in this province is one in 300,000. One in 300,000. You've got to get a grip on this. The scale of the response that you're undertaking with no evidence for it is utterly ridiculous given the consequences of acting in a way that you're proposing. All kinds of suicides, business closures, funerals, weddings, etc., etc. It's simply outrageous. It's just another bad flu. And you've got to get your minds around that. Let people make their own decisions. You should be totally out of the business of medicine. You're being led by, down the garden path by the chief medical officer of health of this province. I'm absolutely outraged that this has reached this level. It should all stop tomorrow. Thank you very much. There must be some kind of way out of here. Say the joker to the thief. There's too much confusion. I can't get no relief. Businessman there, drink my wine. Come and take my earth. None will level. All right, I'm back here. I thought I had this uh, on, but uh, anyway, I didn't. So I'm, I think I'm live now. So uh, a few weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, I showed or talked about this art exhibit that was created by this this artist, this idea, and he cut out um, stencils uh, that resembled bodies sprawled out. And so out of plywood. And so the inside, the shape of the body laying there, uh, he wanted to stencil 9,000 of these prone bodies on the beach of Normandy, France, to replicate 
the lives lost during the invasion of Normandy. <clears throat> and so he had a few volunteers and he had all these plywood stencils so they could do more than one at once. And then all of a sudden he ended up with hundreds of volunteers. And so they quickly laid out these stencils when it was low tide because when it got high tide, the deal would be over, right? So they wanted to lay out all these stencils, and then they raked the sand inside the cutout. So when you pulled the stencil off, the, the, the raked sand would be a different tone than the flat sand. And so uh, then once they got all done, you could take an aerial photograph, which they did, and you could look at it, and you can see, you can really experience the impact of the huge human loss during world war two. So then the other day I was looking at some stuff, getting ready for the show. And I ran across this photo. It's called shoes on the Danube D A N U B E Danube river in Europe. And, um, and I thought what in the world? Cause it's these dark shoes. They look like walking shoes or, you know, professional shoes. It's not shoes, tennis shoes, no tennis shoes. It was like leather shoes of various styles, women's men's, right? And they're kind of just pairs, but they're helter-skelter. You know, they're not like sitting one side by side perfect, but they're just like like you dropped them and got in the water. Like you would at a stream, maybe if a, you went walking with a bunch of people and they said, oh, let's, let's go wading in the stream, you drop your shoes, right? So then I read what this was, and I, I'm just, you know, I, I just... I find find myself way beyond behind the learning curve trying to catch up on so many things. And I learned things that's just shocking to me. So this the explanation of this photo, it's called shoes on the Danube and that the shoes turned out to be, it's actually art exhibit and it's there for, it's like, it's like you go to a, a you know, downtown Chicago or downtown San Francisco are these places that can afford a sculpture, and you see this amazing sculpture there, right? And so it says, during World War II, Jews in Budapest, Hungary, were brought to the edge of the Danube. They were ordered to remove their shoes. They were shot, and they fell into the water below. Sixty pairs of iron shoes now line the river's bank, a ghostly memorial to the victims. And the uh, it's called the Shoes on the Danube Promenade by Can Toge and Giula Power P A U E R. It's it's I would love to have a photo of this, a big photo from my house to just stand against the wall. I may find one and have my friend Barry make me up one. It is. I just sit and stare at it, shoes on the Danube, and it's actually, it. they look so real. They look, honestly, even after knowing they're iron and they're stuck to the concrete, they still look real to me, like the real thing. I just present this to you folks that to remind all of us that this can happen again. It can happen in our country. So right now in our country, they are preparing that la that you will always wear a mask everywhere you go for the rest of your life. You will always social distance. You will self-isolate. School is over. School is over the way you 
the way we have known it and the way kids love it and the way kids learn through many different facets of life, wrestling, playing, etc. Qantas Airlines announced recently that no one will be able to fly on their airline without proof of vaccine. Already, maybe every single airline in the world is requiring a mask to ride their airline. None of these things, uh, first of all, I won't, there's going to be a whole clip on this uh, show about vaccines. So I'm, I'm going to spend, I'm not going to spend time on the vaccines here today. I got other things to talk about, but we're in for some interesting times, maybe violent times. We're definitely going to end up with times. We already have people that are resisting the police, people that we should be getting along great with and supportive and, and being shoulder to shoulder with the police. We have people, we just have a, I saw a deal on a New York business um, where they're a gym where they threw the police, a sheriff's department and the health department and a bunch of other people out of their gym and people screamed at them. They didn't hit them. They didn't, they didn't damage anything, but they screamed at them. They told them to get out, go get a warrant, go, go do this, go do that, go do this. I just saw a deal in, I, in, I think it's uh, in Canada where the police arrested a guy that owns a barbecue place for barbecuing. And they took him and put him in a patrol car. People are getting fined thousands and thousands of dollars for their business to be open. We are entering a phase where we're going to be at war with local government. I uh, talked to a supervisor this week, had lunch with a supervisor from Sutter County, and I advised him to read the book of Esther in the Bible. I suggest that anybody in government, uh, if they are in a, a, a place of decision-making in government over people's lives, that you take time to read the book of Esther, you will be held accountable not only by people like me and people that may come looking for you if you do them damage long enough. At some point, people are going to rise up and they're going to come after you. They're going to destroy your home. They're going to take your property. Uh, they will trash your business if you're a supervisor, city councilman. Uh, you are not going to be safe from this. No police officer, no sheriff, nobody. You're not going to have enough weapons to protect you from if you don't act pretty quickly and put your foot down on the, the removing of people's freedoms from them. You're not going to be away. You're not going to be able to get away with collecting two and three salaries, hundred, two hundred thousand dollars a year in salaries, personal salaries from work. Your work is considered essential. Then you get all these salaries and all these bonuses right in the middle of this total crisis where people are killing themselves, hanging themselves, poisoning themselves, overdosing. We have the Sutter County supervisors voting themselves after they get sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year voting themselves an, an extra $300 a month for travel expenses. These people are so disconnected with reality. It is just shocking. When I said to the supervisor he, he should read the book of Esther, because I said essentially the role of Esther in the book of Esther 
is the role of every political leader in the United States who wanted that job and told us he was the best man or woman or she was the best woman for that job and yet are spineless and are going along with converting this country that millions have suffered and died to make. They're 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 cashing in, screwing people by shutting their businesses down, then taking money and and creating situations where government employees don't even have to work but get paid. And then they get paid from sixty thousand on up in Sutter County to ninety thousand. This is evil. This is the very definition of unrighteousness, of evil. And when you see the French Revolution, when they put people in guillotines, I always thought, man, that's pretty gnarly. I get it now. I get it, baby. When in, when they took Cochescu and his wife in Romania out, I don't know where they hung them. I can't remember where they hung them or did a firing squad. While orphans starved, people were out of work. People starved, families starved, people rummaging around. Eventually, the Venezuelans will take Maduro out and hang him, kill him. I'm telling you, if you don't act now, you're going to be right in that deal. And you're not going to have anyone to blame but yourself. Now, if you don't know what's going on, baby, you said, vote, 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 Randy. Vote, 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 Andy. Vote, 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 um, Jim. Dan. Vote for me. And you're not doing anything but cashing in and make, 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 making that money. And you are not doing jack for all the people. Hundreds of thousands of businesses closed. 21% of small businesses in America closed because you, every little supervisor, county by county by county, over 3,100 counties, county supervisors, just went along with the deal. Oh, yeah, we're hard on the Nazis. Oh, how could they do that? Oh, how could people kill Germans, shoot people, and drop them in the water? <coughs> drop them in trenches, fill them over with tractors. How could they do that? Just like you're doing it, baby. Just like you're doing it. Just like you're doing it, walking around with your little pussy mask on. I ran into supervisor the other day at food and I said, take your damn mask off, dude. What are you doing? You guys, they don't, you don't even take the time to do the science. You're going to believe that little doctor run around here. She's, she's just a little totalitarian. She's killing people. Oh, well, we're, well, we didn't, we didn't know that we, oh, Lou, we did. Well, we didn't understand what she was doing. Oh, well, I had no idea. Well, I, I thought masks were good. I thought, I thought, I thought keeping in families, I, I thought keeping people isolated was, was going to help them. You guys can't read? Don't they have a literacy test to get become a supervisor? You can't read? You can't go on YouTube? You can't Google it? You can't talk to a fellow, a few other doctors? Or maybe you need to go talk to some virologist, uh, maybe at Stanford University, Ionides. Why don't you look up Ionides? At Stanford University, look up, uh, how about World Health Organization on the value of social isolation, masks, 
Do you know there's no scientific study anywhere at any time to prove that masks and social distancing does anything but make people sick? I can't, I can't do any more. You guys are killing me. You guys are killing me is what you're doing. I want to, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, all the church in America likes to quote Dietrich Bonhoeffer, but they don't want to act like him. They love to read his, oh yeah, the pastors. oh well Dietrich, oh well Dietrich, oh Bonhoeffer says, oh have you read Bonhoeffer? Why don't we follow Bonhoeffer? How about that? Dietrich Bonhoeffer tried to kill with a group of people Adolf Hitler. How's that work with your Christian doctrine out there, pastors? He ended up being found out that the attempt, assassination attempt to blow him up failed. And Bonhoeffer was hung just a few days before the war ended at Flossburg Prison. He said, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. I would like to say this to the supervisors of Eubin Sutter County. Listen to me. Silence in the face of evil is evil. What you are doing is evil. It's evil. You think, oh, evil, that's just Satanist. No, 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 no. No, no, no. You're evil. You are evil. Cashing in on all this thing. Why don't you give your paycheck to all the people that don't have a paycheck? Silence and allowing people to be forced into isolation, to be forced out of work, to be sent home when they aren't even sick because some somebody tested positive for COVID. That doesn't mean they have it. Do you know that, guys? It just means they may have had it. H-A-D. Do you know the English language? They don't have it. They may have had it, and they have no symptoms, but you sent them home. That's, you know what the end result of this is? Shutting down our society until there's complete compliance. You don't get it, guys? I'm sorry you ended up in a very difficult position of supervisor, and you're clueless, right? Reach behind you with both hands and just practice holding your butt. See if you can find your butt, and let's just, uh, we'll start with the primary grade, find your butt with both hands, and then let's, let's try to move up from there. Bonhoeffer also said, God will not hold us guiltless. You hear me say, you hear me say this? Oh, well, I don't believe in God. I don't really care whether you ever believe in God. You are going to meet God, and you are going to be held accountable for collecting $90,000 a year and you sold your com- you sold your community down the drain $70,000 a year you'd better off quit now and surrender your job to somebody that has some balls to do your job and go collect your walnuts and hug your wife and stay home and hide with a mask on and let somebody else take over the supervisor job that actually's got some cojones or instead of just like Playing the part, Ah. Bonhoeffer said, not to speak is to speak. Supervisor said to me the other day, well, you know, the other guys, I just, I don't know whether they want to do anything. They won't even come to committee meetings anymore. Bonhoeffer says, not to act is to act. Not to speak is to speak. God will not hold us guiltless. You believe in God? It doesn't make any difference. You're going to be held accountable whether you believe it or not. 
If you think you're just going to die and compost a tree, sorry, you took the wrong, you took the wrong turn intellectually down the road somewhere. Silence in the face of evil is itself evil. You think what's going on in Washington, D.C.? People are staying silent back there. Not really, buddy. It's a full blown. It's a full blown uh, takedown right now. It's the MMF of big time. And we got people you think you're going to be not touched by it. Read the book of Esther. They told her, don't you think if you don't act right now that you're going to walk away unscathed out of this crisis? I'm telling you, supervisors, you are getting your clock cleaned. And if you if you're not going to get it cleaned by other government officials, the people will clean your clock for you. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. I'll be right back. Very, very beginning of the, uh, the chart where there's a circle that says on Election Day, uh, what that indicates is there is a spike in uh, loaded votes, uh, uh, 337,000 plus or minus of some votes that were added in there in one big batch. So that was uh, an anomaly in the reporting. Normally, you would expect to see a smooth curve going up, not any... Uh, not any big big spikes. Uh, that's kind of what uh, what Greg was talking about the the anomalies of loading and uh, uploading those uh, those votes. So that big spike that uh, occurs there is a prime indicator of fraudulent voting. And that's six hundred and four thousand votes in ninety minutes. Is that right? Correct. This is uh, three hundred and uh, three hundred and thirty seven votes. Three hundred thirty seven thousand votes in that, uh, that, that in that, that period of time. Yes. And when you look at this entire curve with all these spikes, can you calculate how, how, how much of a vote that accounted for for Biden and how much for Trump? Close to 600,000. I think our, our figures were about 570 some odd thousand that uh, all those spikes represent over time. For Biden? Correct. And how much for Trump? Uh, I think it was a little over 3,200. <laughs> <laughs> Your, uh, uh, your election, because of these two counties and maybe one other, is a sham. It's a disgrace to your state. And finally, I, I don't need to remind you of this. I think I need to remind America of this. Uh, the election for the President of the United States is not run by the governor of your state. It's not run by your election commissioner. The United States Constitution makes it clear who has the responsibility for running this election. Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of our Constitution it doesn't say that ABC gets to call the winner or CNN. It says, each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors. It's the state legislature that controls this process. It's your power. It's your responsibility. And uh, I, think you, I think you know 
and you have to convince the rest of your members, Republican and Democrat, they owe that to the people of your state, and they owe that to the people of the United States. Because if this happens without consequence, if they can just enter 600,000 some odd mail-in ballots without allowing a single Republican to, to view it, what's to say that next time they won't do a million or two million? I know crooks really well. You give them an inch and they take a mile, and you give them a mile and they take your whole country. I mean, I don't even know how this happened in America. We, we could send 50 years ago, you know, men to, to the moon, but we can't have a safe, secure election in Philadelphia and Pennsylvania. What's going on here? It's got to be by design because we have the technology. We have stealth aircraft that are the envy of the world, but we can't run a, an election better than Afghanistan. Congressman Perry, you and I are in Afghanistan. And I don't know how in the heck Afghanistan has more secure, safe elections than Pennsylvania does. I mean, beam me up, Scotty. There's no sign of intelligent life anywhere. Really. We move heaven and earth with American dollars to secure elections in Iraq and Afghanistan and elsewhere. We can't do it in our own state. It's by design. There's people in Pennsylvania not interested in safe, secure elections. And we have to correct this. There's two things that need to, ha need to happen. First off, we need to make sure the, the real winner is sent forth from this, this presidential election. And number two... <laughs> Number two, we need to fix this. This doesn't happen ever again. You know, I can't believe, I can't believe we're having this conversation here in Pennsylvania. You know, this is the kind of stuff I hear about that goes on in Belarus under Lukashenko or in Russia under Putin, under, under Saddam Hussein's Iraq. Really? Here in our state? I mean, this is disgusting to me. You know, I watched when I was uh, in, doing strategy in Russia, you know, Putin's of a people stuffing ballot boxes. The same thing that happened in Pennsylvania. When I saw that 15, 20 years ago, I was like, well, thank God we're not like that. What happened? What happened? And we're not going to let it stand. <laughs> you know, I saw, uh, you have to forgive people because we are a constitutional republic, so I'll forgive those that say democracy. But I saw one man had a sign in Philadelphia, and the irony wasn't lost on me. Democracy dies in Philadelphia. Can you imagine the irony of that? You know, where the light of liberty was lit in 1776, it transformed this world where, in this very same state, a new birth of freedom. And then, of course, let's not forget 2001, Tom, Todd Beamer. Let's roll. You know what? It's our time to roll. This is no time. You know, democracy can die in darkness, in dark rooms with no transparency and accountability. We're shining light on this darkness here. We're going to take our state back. We're not standing aside in this hour. You know, as Representative Metcalf rightly said, in 1994, there was so much shenanigans and cheating in the Marks versus Stinson case that a federal district judge threw out the election results, took a senator out of Harrisburg, state senator, and put the Republican in because the election results were so corrupted. So we do have a precedent here, federal courts, and I hope you take a hard look at that here. Has our election results in Pennsylvania at the presidential and other levels been so corrupted that the results have to be thrown out? That's going to be a, a case you're going to have to make before the Supreme Court there, but it sure sounds like something stinks in Denmark or in Philadelphia. I don't know. You know, one vote, one person, 
one legal vote per person, and any cheating goes in there disenfranchises an American. And I can't believe this is happening here, and we're not going to let it stand. I don't know why it's so hard. You know, I know, I know it's, it's, it's hard because this has been going on here for a lot longer than we imagine. But in Galatians 6, 9, we're told by St. Paul, grow not weary doing good, because in due time you'll reap your harvest. We're going to reap our harvest. The time for dithering, <laughs> the time for dithering and deliberation is over. It's time for decisive action. We have to protect our commonwealth and our nation. The eyes of the world are upon us. And let's turn the commonwealth of Pennsylvania from a laughing stock to the pride of the world once again, as we've always had been and need to be again. This is our day, this is our hour, this is our time. So yes, Mr. Franklin, a republic, if you can keep it, we're gonna keep it. Can you keep it? Can you, will you? We're gonna keep the republic, thank you. And God bless you all. All right, welcome back. Uh, I want to uh, finish up this little run I'm on here, uh, talking to you a little bit about Alexander Isayevich Solzhenitsyn. Alexander Isayevich Solzhenitsyn. He's been dead for a few years now. Russian. He... Uh, was controversial. He was held in a gulag, which is a Russian prison, for many years, suffered there. He was a poet, a novelist, philosopher, historian, short story writer, political prisoner. He eventually was tossed out of the country. Uh, and uh, when he came to America, which he stayed here until Russia, the walls came down and they changed from their very restrictive communism he went back because he's a russian he loved russia but he didn't love communism and he said when he came to america that the the united states people have forgotten where they came from and they are headed to communism and so uh he said this see if this doesn't fit see if this shoe doesn't fit for you with covid and the takeover of the United States. We know they are lying. They know they are lying. They know we know they are lying. We know they know we know they are lying. But they are lying. <coughs> Let me say it again. They, we know they're lying. They know they're lying. They know that we know they are lying. We know they know, we know they are lying, but they are still lying. They're lying to us, people, all the way up and down the line, and you better find out what the truth is. You, your, your mama and your daddy probably already passed. They cannot tell you what the truth is now. You know how to spoon. You know how to spoon. You better read, read, read. You better, you better jack it up if you need to take some energy pills, a little amphetamines, you better study. If you're behind the eight ball, you don't know what's going on. You don't know, Jack. You better figure it out really quick. I'm telling you, I'm just warning you, there are rapids ahead.
people all over these people, people, immigrants to the United States that have come here, suffered under communism, are warning us, saying this, they're going to take it. We're going to get taken over. You better stand. This is your chance. It is never going to get easier. Once it's gone, it's gone. You will not get it back in your lifetime. When the Soviet Union was taken over, it took out several generations before it finally collapsed. Many of these countries have gone on for decades and decades and decades and decades and decades, and millions and millions of people have died in suffering. Gnarly. I want to take just a, a few moments here and just thank some folks. Uh, it's Thanksgiving. It's still Thanksgiving for me. And uh, as I still got turkey in my belly, uh, since it's Thanksgiving evening, I'm recording this, but you'll hear it on the 28th. But I wanted to uh, mention uh, Monty Hecker, uh, who has been leading the charge on this uh Recall and Monty runs Elite Universal Security. He supports this program, has for years, and have been an encourager. He doesn't just give money towards the program, but he posts on Facebook, reminds people to listen to it, tries to recruit people to listen to it. Uh, it's been nothing but an encourager to me personally. But Elite Universal Security, if you're you need a job, they got jobs. If you want to work somewhere in Northern California, they're working in a number of counties in Northern California, Sacramento North, and uh, he can help you if you don't know what you're doing. You think, oh, I'm brand new to this. I'm 18. He will take you on and train you, prepare you to do this job and uh, of, of security, armed security, unarmed security, work in dispatch, a lot of different jobs within his organization. So you can reach him at 530-749-0288. Zero five four nine five three zero seven four nine zero two eight zero, and um, or you could just go on his website and there's two websites. One is eliteuniversalsecurity.com, and one is api-academy.com, which primarily their schooling website. But uh, take a look at both, and some they're soliciting jobs, some so they're soliciting workers for jobs, other they're, they're telling you, this is our courses, this is what our, our needs are, this is how we can help you. So if you need a, a, a concealed weapon permit, they can also help you, train you for that. If, if you don't want to go to work for them, but you need somebody to help you get the permit so you can carry a, a weapon concealed, api-academy.com the other people i want to talk to i just talked to dave Grinitz the other day i came home from church the other night somebody had tossed a chair brought up a chair on my front porch tossed it through the window and i thought bummer i hate hit it when that happens i thought i was just going to come home have it easy but I'm out in the middle of the night scraping up glass and trying to put something in the window to keep the breeze out and uh so i called dave Grinitz. i said hey dave i got somebody knocked my window out came over next day Removed, I got these old, it's an old house, double hung windows, remove the window, take it to a shop to put new glass in it, reglaze it, put it back in and uh, put it, he put a plug in the window so it'd cover it. And so Dave, I was, I was kidding him because I saw on his Facebook site that it said that he had five, he promised five people that he would get them their kitchens or baths completely done by Thanksgiving. And so, um, he had shown this incredible kitchen he did that he said, well, that's number two of five. And this is just two weeks ago. And I thought, what the heck? He's not going to be able to knock out all five of them. But he was here doing the window the other day, a few days before Thanksgiving. And um, I said, hey, what's up with the five 
kitchens and baths before Thanksgiving. He said, they're all done. We got them done. All done. And um, anyhow, uh, he does a great job. He, and the, the greatest sign of that is that he's got a lineup of jobs all the way. He can't even look at a job, he said, until January. So if, you, if you're interested in, in him doing his, your work, he would be the best guy uh, as long as you don't need it like during December, right? But if you're willing to have him, he can't, he can't start work on it in January, but he could take a look at it and give you a bid on it, et cetera, help develop the whole plan in January. So if you're, you're interested in that, let me give you a, uh, let me give you his phone number and you can go onto his website. A lot of people are, you know, unless you're old school, I just dial them up or text him. But, uh, you know, all the new people, they, they can't have really, they never learned how to have a conversation. So they like to do the technology deals. So you can go to greenitsconstruction.com and you can email him off that site. Green, like the color, E-T-Z, greenitsconstruction, one word, dot com. You can look at, you can look at the before and after all the, the deals. Don't believe me. Just go, because my tastes, I, I'm sure your tastes are much better than mine. I'm, I'm willing to live in a shanty. I don't really care. So, um, but but a lot of people, I, I really appreciate beauty, and I appreciate the, the work. So go check it out yourself, greenitsconstruction.com. Then you can email him off that site. Or you can go to Dave Greenitz Construction Facebook page, right? Easy. And you can connect with him. Or you could call him at 530-682-9602. Very easy, 530-682-9602. He'll probably answer the phone. The other day I left him a message. You Actually, I think he answered. Uh, he doesn't even have a secretary. He just answers his own phone for himself. So uh, if you want a great job, quick kitchen and baths, that's his gig. He also does entrance. He does all kinds of remodeling, does decks, uh, does whole house fans, does a variety of things. But he's known for kitchens and baths. All right. And the final one is plumbing doctor. I had to use them recently. I live in an old house, so stuff breaks. You know, something stuff breaks every time. I got working on my car, work on the house, and I work on my body, just to kind of keep everything tuned up. So plumbing doctor, if you've got a plumbing problem, they can come out and fix you. 530-671-9111. Very simple. You notice a hot water heater going out. You want to replace your toilets. You want to place something, cut down your water costs. If you live in Marysville, you should really look at changing out some of your water use appliances or, you you know, whatever you call them, uh, fixtures. That's your the better term, fixtures, water use fixtures. Cut down the amount of water and still get the job done. Save a lot of money. Cal Water's ripping people off big time in Marysville. 530-671-9111 for the plumbing doctor. All right. So I wanted to talk for a minute in this uh, fifth segment about the mayoral race of Marysville. Uh, Marysville is a small town, 12,000. It's been, uh, it's suffered from really poor leadership. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying people were dishonest or crooks or anything, but they just didn't know what they're doing. You know something, when you want a doctor to work on you or you want a plumber, or you want a construction guy, you want the best. <clears throat> Unfortunately, when we elect people to office, a lot of times <clears throat> they amount to popularity contests and the people get in there, they don't know what they're doing. And that's, we've had a series of city council people. I've lived here all my life. And so we've, we've not always had poor city council members, but we used to have some really sharp business people and and they guided the city well but uh in the last uh, few couple decades it's been uh it's been a uh a bermuda triangle of problems 
And so in this uh, latest race, there was a we elect a mayor separately. Uh, and then there's four city council people. So there was a mayor's race and then there's a couple empty city council seats. So we actually had the incumbent running, Ricky Scamayoa, who's a thief. And then we also had uh, and also he has a master's degree. But master's degree doesn't help you if you're not very smart. And so he's not very smart. He's got a master's degree. and But he got it at a public institution, which is not a good deal. So then we had a city council person running, Stephanie McKenzie. And then we had a newcomer uh, that isn't a newcomer to the city. Actually, he, he lived here before any of the people on the city council. Because he's older than them, and he was born and raised here. Then he went away to war, and so the city, a lot of the people that are trying to keep him out of winning the mayor's race are saying, well, because he actually served his country and left here and then went away to college because we don't have law schools here and we don't have four-year colleges here, then somehow that's wrong to do that. They want everybody to stay here and stay stupid. And so uh, he went away, got a, got a uh, a accounting degree. Uh, you know, people are just jealous. You know, you ever notice that people that go out, they they get it, they they don't do it themselves, but then they they're jealous of people that go out and accomplish something in their own life and then come back to town and want to help. They think, oh, who do you think you are? We want a bunch of stupid people on the city council. So uh, anyway, uh, this guy Chris Branscombe uh, left in during the Vietnam War and to serve in the Navy and uh, and so anyway, he comes back to town and retires here after years of. Uh, running businesses, corporations, as a CPA slash attorney in Texas. But he has children here, and he, he returns. So somehow the people that oppose him are uh, against success and personal success or having money. You know, th you can see the effect of socialist teaching on even adults now. If, you, if you're successful and you have money, sometimes that's a negative thing. My friend Ted Ulbrich, who married, uh, he was working for the CIA, uh, not for the, well, under the CIA, not, he wasn't a CIA person, but he worked in Laos, uh, and uh, he, he met a woman over there who's, who's uh, when the, the communists were taken over Laos, her family was one of the leading political people in the country, kind of like the Kennedys or something like that, right? And when the communists took over, they took all their property, all their wealth, and ran them out. And so anyway, he married her after her husband was killed by the communists. And uh, they had a few kids, came to the United States, had a few kids, and now they're in, back in Cambodia. But uh, anyway, uh, the, the one thing the communists do and the socialists do is they'll take your assets from you, right? If you notice paying taxes and tax, tax, every time you turn around, they take tax, right? So anyway, there's this thing against people becoming successful in communists and socialists. But but that's one of the complaints about Chris Branscombe is he actually went away and he spent his, his working years in Texas working for corporations and he was successful and he did well and he came home to retire. And uh, But instead of just retiring, he, he decided to run for office. So the, the long and short of it is he had been away for, I don't know, four or five decades, uh, visited here, but had lived in Texas. So anyway, he runs for office. And the chances to beat two incumbents, to beat one incumbent is one big deal, an incumbent. That's the person that's already in there. But he not only beat one incumbent, he he the, the race says that he 
uh, far beat the mayor. But one of the city council people, McKenzie, wanted to run for mayor. And so he's ahead by four votes in the final count, which is certified this week, yesterday. So the interesting thing is, is you, you know, the term follow the money. So when you look at Ricky Scamayoa, he had all the unions supporting him, operating engineers, all these people. So unions can, they take union dues by hardworking men and women. They take their dues and then they give them to politicians. And so then they'll turn around and give money back to unions and support unions and guarantee unions work. So they gave money to Ricky Scamayoa, as long, along with Cal Water, gave him $5,000, right? But they bet on the wrong horse, right? And so then they panicked. And so when, uh, the, when their second horse, although they didn't give her any money, is, is Stephanie McKenzie. So when Stephanie or Scamayoa did not win and Branscombe won by four votes, uh, they went, the, the union now has been convinced to take union dues. Now, I want, I want you to think about something. I am not anti, anti-union. What I am is anti-minimum wage. I'm an, anti-prevailing wage. I'm against a lot of legislation that forces business to do certain things by government. But if people want to organize to do better as a group of carpenters or pipe fitters or welders or steel men or steel people, whatever, I'm, I'm totally cool with that. So, uh, but that's just my, my opinion. I don't, my opinion doesn't change the world. It's just my opinion. We're so far, we're still allowed to have that in the United States. So what the union has sent, essentially done is they take, they force people and if you want to work for the union you have to pay these dues and then they take your dues and they uh they give them away to politicians now it's one thing to give them away to a politician that is actually going to create jobs or create a an environment you know government doesn't create jobs it can it can create an environment like trump has with reduced regulations and reduced taxes to to encourage business to expand and so the union don't like Branscombe, right? Which is fine. It's a big world out there. You can have likes and dislikes, right? And and they like this Stephanie McKenzie, which is totally fine. They gave all their money to a loser. That's a guy with a master's degree that can't find his butt with either hand. And uh, But the union wasn't, a lot of times union leaders, like the one they have now, just isn't very smart. He, anybody can spend money that did, did I tell you this before that it's always easy to spend somebody else's money. And that's what unions do. They take hard, the money of hardworking men and women that are busting their butt. I have friends that work in a union, all the unions, every union in this area. I, I have friends that work in the unions, teachers, plumbers, carpenters, everything. And uh, they work hard, but they're forced to give money to the unions. Then they turn around and they give money. So in this case, they're going to pay for a recall at a, a, almost $1,000 a day. Uh, not a recall, sorry, a recount of the vote. They want to recount the vote again, even though they took all this time to count it up to now, and they just certified it. Remember, we had election on November 3. And what is it today? November 26. And um, so now they're, uh, they, they've certified the election. So the if people want to recount, there's a provision for that in the law, and you pay for it. So it's interesting. I don't have any problem with all that, Re- recounts, all that kind of stuff. And and uh, 
The problem I have is if if, if Joe Doe Corporation, who specialized in delivering rags, Joe Doe the rag man, if he wanted to to fund it, I don't have any problem with that. It's interesting to me that the union that is their their I thought the goal of the union would be to have their members be more successful, to have their members work as much as they want, to have their members make a lot of money, get overtime, all that kind of double time, overtime, all the kind of stuff, and to prosper. The city of Marysville, under the leadership of the city council, which includes both people that lost, McKenzie and uh, Scamayoa, has been a dud, the city council. They will tell you, well, we did this, we did that. What they did is they hired a woman by the name of Marty Brown who figured out ways to cut their debt. But their votes cost us a lot of money. They raised the sewer rates by 35%. They spent $130,000 on a contraption in Ellis Lake that, that other people said they could pay just they would pay themselves to bring Yuba River water in. They made a lot. They 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 voted to go out and bond and and get loans to buy nineteen new new cars for the city. They made a lot of stupid decisions, and none of the decisions that they made made it better for business in our area. I'm going to finish this. We're at the the beginning of our sixth segment, so I'm going to take a break right here, and then we're going to. I'm going to do our last 20 minute segment. Hold on, we'll be right back. Well, you heard earlier that there's no real concern about aluminum because it's such a small amount, and so it really shouldn't matter. But the kind of aluminum that we put into vaccines is a different kind of aluminum that we see environmentally. This is called a nanoparticle, and nanoparticles bind really tightly to the bacteria antigens, the virus antigens, the food protein antigens, and any other contaminants that are in the vaccines that we may not know about. And we know that the biochemical properties of nanoparticles is that they are capable of entering the brain. And so we have not evaluated the safety of the aluminum nanoparticle and its injection and where it goes when it gets into the body and whether it gets into the brain. Do vaccine ingredients belong in the brain? No. Do they get into the brain? No one has ever studied it. But animal studies using the same chemicals that are in vaccines that we give to children directly demonstrate that the vaccine ingredients do enter the brain. We are ignoring this information. There are scientists in Europe who've actually done studies on the aluminum nanoparticle and have shown that it can persist in the brain for years and decades. And so what we're seeing is a large outbreak of neurodevelopmental disabilities in adults, including Alzheimer's. And one of the main factors that they're finding in the brains of people with Alzheimer's is the aluminum nanoparticle that's directly related to the vaccines that we're giving. So we have never studied whether the aluminum that we're giving in vaccines gets into the brain, and we've never measured whether it stays in the brain, 
and what it does if it does stay in the brain. But we do know that vaccines are supposed to cause inflammation in the body. But we have more than half of our children with chronic inflamed conditions. And we've never allowed ourselves to ask the question, if the vaccines cause inflammation acutely, do they continue to create inflammation chronically? We have one in five with neurodevelopmental disabilities, one in 10 with ADD and ADHD, one in 35 with autism, one in 11 with asthma, <clears throat> and one in 20 under the age of five with seizures. And the autoimmune diseases are exponentially rising, and we are finding that the viruses and the bacteria that we're injecting into the body, along with the adjuvants, create something called molecular mimicry, which means the body sees those viruses thinking that it's foreign, but actually finds pieces of those viruses that match pieces of the self. And the immune system doesn't differentiate between what it's been told to reject and itself. So it will turn the immune system on itself, leading to an autoimmune condition. We know this about hepatitis B, we know it about the Gardasil vaccine, and we know it about the flu vaccine. And we continue to say unequivocally that the vaccines have been studied effectively and that they're safe. And that's just not true. Evan, the co-founder of Black Rifle Coffee Company, has been exposed for donating money to Obama's presidential campaign back in 2008. What the hell is going on? That doesn't make any sense. Kyle's out. Hell yeah. Great job to his attorneys. Whatever they did, good job. So one of the first pictures that Kyle had taken of him when he was out of jail was in a Black Rifle Coffee Company shirt. And of course, Black Rifle Coffee Company's marketing team used that picture as a promotion, which they later took down. I mean, the kid has more balls than a full-grown bull, and Black Rifle Coffee Company is getting a lot of heat because they apparently don't support him, or at least that's what people are saying. First off, I want to say that I support Kyle Rittenhouse personally. I don't support violence for no reason, but I do support defending yourself and your fellow Americans from any harm, which is what Kyle Rittenhouse did. I also have supported Black Rifle Coffee Company for years because of what they do for the military and just their overall principles in terms of being a right-sided company, or better known as a conservative company, right? Americans. But there are some things about this company that don't add up. So I'm gonna tell y'all these things because I found them along with a lot of other people and you decide for yourself what's going on with this. In my opinion, if Black Rifle Coffee Company is as right-sided as they seem, they should have at least given Kyle Rittenhouse a tip of the cap or something. You have no control over who buys your stuff. If some terrorist in Afghanistan bought one of my shirts and was wearing it, does that mean that I'm supporting that guy or sponsoring him? No, he just bought one of my shirts. But the fact that Black Rifle Coffee Company felt like they needed to make a statement saying that we do not support any legal stuff and we don't know him personally, it's a little much. It's a little much. He probably just bought the shirt because he likes y'all's coffee. Look, I get that the company doesn't want to profit from
from a bad situation, whether it was justified or not, which I believe it was, I think Kyle totally acted in self-defense. To me, there shouldn't have been this big old thing behind one of the owners going on and saying, oh no, we don't want anything to do with this. So let's pull back the curtain a little bit. There was a lot of inconsistencies in terms of what I found and what Black Rifle Coffee Company supposedly stands for, which I believed they have for the past, I don't know how many years. First off, Black Rifle Coffee Company just got a huge influx of funding from a company called Sterling, let me make sure I got this right, Sterling Partners Private Equity, whose CEO is Doug Becker. Now, I'm not sure I'm gonna say this right, but Doug Becker, he also founded a company called Laureate Education. That's what I'm gonna go with, because I don't, Laureate? Laureate. It's a company that educates people on global social change and equality. Do you hear any companies that are right-sided or any conservatives worrying about global social change and equality? We all know what that means, yet they took funding from a guy who is the founder of this company. Evan, the co-founder of Black Rifle Coffee Company, has been exposed for donating money to Obama's presidential campaign back in 2008 and then he donated money to Tulsa Gabbard back at the end of 2019. There's a huge difference between voting for who you want and having to pick somebody because they're the only name on the ballot in that section and they're a Democrat versus sending them money. That means that you're showing them support and you support what they're doing. Okay, I want to start with that. Tulsa Gabbard is also a huge fan of keeping abortion still around. She's also a huge supporter of the climate change crap, which we all know is a joke. I don't know, should I keep going? This is the one that just blows my mind. On her website, it says that she is in favor of banning all assault style weapons and high capacity magazines. A company whose logos are literally based on assault style firearms and has it in their name is giving money to someone who wants to ban them? What the hell is going on? That doesn't make any sense. I don't know, maybe you owed her 500 bucks or something and Venmo wasn't working that day, but this doesn't make any sense. What assumptions can be made from you giving money to someone who is the exact opposite of what your company stands for. I mean, are y'all okay with Biden possibly being the next president? I'm not. The last person you would think anybody in Black Rifle Coffee Company to give a donation to would be a Democrat, and on top of that, someone who is a high-level Democrat in Congress who wants to ban guns. And I sure as hell wouldn't give 500 bucks to someone who's the complete opposite of the principles that I live by. Is Black Rifle Coffee Company starting to be a bunch of leftist, rainbow-loving people who are or just acting like they're right-sided? I sure as hell hope not, but y'all be the judge of that. But after seeing this, I don't really know what I to don't think. Want you wasting all my time Cause when you're standing out so near I cry to lose my mind It's not the perfume I do have It's not the ribbons in your hair So we're talking about the union the Plumbing Pipe Fetters Union, and I heard that maybe they're going to get a pack of unions to pick up the cost of this recount. So my problem, actually, 
if if they have the recount and the union spends a lot of money, it's it's no sweat off my brow. I find it corrupting. It's corrupting is what it is. We talked a little earlier about the evil that is going on in politics in our area. Unions have had a lot of corruption in them in our country. People have been murdered in unions, buried in concrete. All kinds of things have been happened. They've con- they beat up people. They've killed people. All kinds of things have happened. There's all kinds of corruption in unions paying people off. And uh, so it's interesting to me. I feel bad because I have friends that are in unions when their money is taken and wasted because and it's and it's becomes a personality issue between the head of the union where the it's kind of like the same thing with Trump. People say, I don't like his personality. Yet he can produce and he's and we just hit 30,000 points on the stock exchange history just one record after another after another after another lowest unemployment in the history of blacks lowest unemployment in the history of hispanic uh records being came lowest unemployment women lowest unemployment asians so whether or not you like a person's personality shouldn't control whether you to me like I told somebody the other day, it's not a popularity contest. It's not the person we like best. What it should be is a vetting to who we're going to hire to do the best job at the end of the four years. Who is going to produce the most winsome city? Who is going to get the most done out of the dollars? Do you know somebody can take $1,000 and create a whole new business and somebody can just waste $1,000, right? So... It's interesting to me that the plumbers are all lining up to support a group of people on the city council, Bruce Buttercavoli, Brad Hudson, and Stephanie McKenzie, who basically haven't done jack at in the city. I'm talking about I'm talking about positioning the city for major business growth. And for small enterprise. See, most people think, oh, well, we're going to bring a big corporation in. No, you're not going to bring a big corporation in. Most of the jobs in the United States, most people don't understand this. The majority of jobs, this is why COVID is such a satanic move. Most of the jobs that people have in the United States are small business jobs. People that hire two, three, four, five people. Barbershops, welding operations, all kinds of things. Fabrication operations. Small business. That's what that's what the, the, the heart and soul of American labor is. This city has not been kind of business, and they have not repositioned themselves to change that. They they've reduced some debt. But that all the work that was done there, they fired the person who pulled that all off, Marty Brown. That wasn't done by the city council. She proposed everything. All they did is vote for it. So what's going on now is we have the plumbers union, and I think many of those plumbers uh, voted for Branscom. And the fact is, it's interesting to me that union leadership does not ask their plumbers or pipe fitters how, what they would do on this. I saw a deal the other day that uh, on the teachers union. Uh, who they voted for in California, by name, 
and by party. Let me just, because I don't want to go down the list and waste time, I only have about 15 minutes left. Every single person that w- they went down all the assembly races in the state of California, all the congressional races, all the Senate races, right? State Senate. Not one conservative did they recommend the teachers union. Not one conservative. Why? Because they're not interested in business. They don't care about business. All they care about is getting money from the government and liberals will give give money from the government more and more and more and more, and more. they you know they just scratch one back they scratch their back but in the city in the city of Marysville we've had one business leave after another business leave off and they leave for petty reasons and they just move right across the river to get out of the city into the county or they move over to Yuba city because they they get tired of fussing with the government here the craziness, confusion, chaos, pettiness, baloney. And it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed the entire time that the union has supported Ricky Scamioa. They have supported him every time he runs, and he has been a master's degree of disaster. He's got a, I think he's got a degree in disaster. He's a disaster. He doesn't know what he's doing. And he's a thief. He's, a, he's corrupt. He takes money to, he's, he's a pay-to-play boy. But they, but the people said we don't want that guy, so they're not they're off him, and so now they're trying to overturn the election. Maybe the election is going to be overturned. It's interesting to me. What are you going to get after you owner, overturn it, Mister Union? You think you're going to get a better city? You already got all the players that have not performed. They're not. I'm not saying they're not nice people. I know Brad Hudson's Hudson. I've known him for years. I know all these people. All I'm saying to you is, I I said to this to a person the other day. They were asking me how come I I supported Chris Branscom. I said very simple. It took thirty seconds. It doesn't take long to figure out if you're hiring for a job. You need a person. You want the best person to. You're all going to pay them all the same. All five people you're in interviewing, you're going to pay them the same. Who is going to give you the best bang for your dollar? A guy with a a law degree and a and a CPA degree and and run businesses or people that have never been successful in business. Not one person on that city council has been successful in big business. Not one. In fact, one's filed bankruptcy and the other just ran out of money and had to get a COVID loan. All I'm saying to you is it, it's interesting to me really the city of Marysville should just really close and just turn itself into the county. But if we're going to have a city, it's interesting that they just want more of the same, but they expect different results, right? You've heard about that. Expect do more of the same, expect, expect different results. It's crazy. So it looks like we're going to do a recall and the, the union's going to spend union money instead of trying to develop business in the area and trying to help people develop business and work with the city council to develop business, they're just going to support people that don't, they don't have any idea what they're doing. They don't have these skills. It doesn't mean they're bad people. They just do not have the skills in that area. So, okay, I need to move on, and uh, let's see what's left. I got lots left, but not so much time. That's the problem. So uh, 
Uh, Gavin Newsom, uh, we haven't talked much about his recall. Gavin Newsom shut down Thanksgiving. At least he, he said to shut it down. I think people ignore. We ignored him, of course. But uh, while after he told everybody to shut down, not have people over to the house, just have your primary family, have a limited number of people, eat outside, wear a mask, social distance, he did all the opposite. The, he lied. He's just a prolific liar, Gavin Newsom. If he's opening his mouth, he's just a he's just a, a gatling gun of lies. So he said he went over to the French Laundry. He really didn't know what was going on over there. Totally clueless. He's he's governor of the biggest state in the union, but he's totally clueless. He doesn't even know where he's going for dinner. He didn't know how many people are going to go there. He didn't know they're going to be sitting close together. He didn't. He claims they were sitting outside. We got photos of them sitting inside. He said there was 12 people. Now an author is saying, this is an author who lives in Yountville. This is a writer who lives in Yountville. He said, I know what's going on. And uh, he says there were at least 22 people there at that event. He said it got so loud that other patrons complained to the management of the French Laundry. The bar bill was 15 grand. This is incredible. I mean, what I could do with 15 grand just in helping people, these guys drop 15 grand. Like that's about a grand, almost a grand a piece. And I, I'm sure some people didn't even drink. Amazing 15 grand, right? So after they just, uh, he just, a, a, oh, I, I can't say on the air. That he, anyway, uh, so he's he's announced a 30-day lockdown. 30-day lock lock it down, baby. People die, people kill themselves, people overdose. But we we're gonna we're gonna dodge the virus, the the common cold. We're gonna put a stop to it. The virus is spreading at a pace we haven't seen since the start of this pandemic. This is all just total drama fabricated drama baloney. We are sounding the alarm. Da 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 da. On and on. 22 people, not 12. Approximately 15,000 at the bar. Uh, they didn't wear masks. They didn't social distance. They sat shoulder to shoulder. They partied. They yelled. They spit. They can't, We can't sing in church, but they got so loud that other patrons complained. They did not wear a mask. You remember how he told us how to eat? We had to wear a mask, and then you pull it down a little bit, slip a little food in, slip it back up, then pull it down, have a little drink. Then slip it back up. Remember that whole training we got? And they don't do that. So no mask, all indoors, 22 people, 15,000 barbell. I didn't. Th- I thought alcohol was a problem. Uh, anyway, uh, just a bunch of lies. Now, I'm going to go down here. Oh, come on, baby. I got to find this. I got to skip around here for a minute and get down to. Okay. Now, I- I'm going to, I'm going to read, th- I'm going to read some stuff here because I want to. I want to emphasize some things, but I played the guy in in one of my clips today. You heard Dr. Roger Hodkinson. He's a top pathologist. He told government officials in Alberta, Canada, during a Zoom conference, the current coronavirus is the greatest hoax, quote, the greatest hoax ever perpetrated on an unsuspecting public. He says... Uh, noting that he was, he's describing his uh, credentials. He's an expert in virology. 
He pointed out that his role as a CEO of a biotech company that manufactured COVID tests. In other words, he says, quote, I, I might know a little bit about all of this. He says, I'm quoting him, there is utterly, I'm telling you, Dr. Liu is a liar. There is utterly unfounded public hysteria driven by the media and politicians. It's outrageous. This is the greatest hoax ever perpetrated on an unsuspecting public. Why are we unsuspecting people? Because we trusted the government, and those days are over, baby. We have been jerked around, lied to, punked. He goes on, the doctor said that nothing could be done to stop the spread of the virus. Doesn't matter what we do. Viruses are viruses. They need to run their course, and we need to build up herd immunity. That's by mixing it up, kissing each other, hugging each other, touching each other, being in close quarters with each other, etc. Nothing can be done to stop the spread of the virus besides protecting older, more vulnerable people. And the whole situation represented uh, politics playing medicine. And that's a very dangerous game. What we have is a politicization of medicine, people. We now have a, I told a supervisor, you now have lost control of your county and you have a health dictator called Dr. Lou. Hodkinson remarked that the social distancing is useless because COVID is spread by aerosols, that tiny little wet particles, which travel 30 meters. I know we don't have the metric system, but let's just say uh, it's a long ways, folks. It's a long ways. 30 meters isn't 30 yards. It's a little short of that. It's over 20 yards. That's, I want you to think of going to Food Max and standing 60 feet behind the next person. That's COVID before it lands. So if somebody's sneezing in there, you better be 60 feet away from them. Hello? As he called... Hodkinson called for society to be reopened immediately to prevent the debilitating damage caused by lockdowns. Did you hear? Debilitating means illness-causing, crippling damage. Hodkinson slammed mandatory mask mandates as completely pointless. He says, quote, masks are utterly useless. There is no evidence base for their effectiveness. What? So ever paper masks and fabric masks are simply virtue signaling, but our country has become one big virtue signaling chaos. When I saw some college student walking down their uh, campus and they saw the word Trump that was written in chalk on the sidewalk, like a little kid would play. And they had a panic attack called the Dean and wanted to go have a debriefing somewhere, I thought, you know something? We've lost our minds. Masks are utterly useless. Paper masks and fabric masks are simply virtual signaling. They they aren't even worn effectively most of the time. It's utterly ridiculous seeing these unfortunate, uneducated people. I don't care whether you got a master's degree, a doctorate, you graduated from high school, college. You are stupid if you think those damn masks do a thing. 
I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Here's what I'm sorry about. I'm sorry that you got a screwed up education. I didn't. I did not. And I was raised in a, a great family that had good values. If you weren't, hey, that's life. You can, if you're breathing, you can pull it together. Seeing these unfortunate, he says, seeing these unfortunate, educate, uneducated people, I'm not saying that in a pejorative sense. In other words, I'm not putting them down. Seeing these people walking around like lemmings, obeying without any knowledge base to put the mask on their face. The doctor also slammed the unreliability of PCR tests. That's the test you're taking that tells you you're COVID positive. Doesn't mean you're sick. Noting that the positive test results do not. Did you catch this? Do not. How many times do I have to say it? Do not, do not, do not. Underline in neon means clinical infection. If you are tested positive in neon, he says it's in here. He's saying I stress this, do not, do not, do not underline the neon. It does not mean clinical infection. This doctor we got running around here, this quack, Dr. Lou, she is making it out like we're going to get all infected because somebody tests positive. They sent my friend Dr. Cassidy home the other day. (laughs) He was not positive, but somebody in his office was positive. They sent a medical doctor that could be helping people, and they sent him home for 14 days people that is insane that is criminally insane that woman should be fired i i handed one item to a supervisor i said read that paragraph it like there was a paragraph she is so damn illiterate it sounds like to me she's wanted to quarantine people for 90 days this guy says all testing should stop because the false numbers are driving public hysteria listen the supervisors are criminally responsible for this hodkinson said i'm absolutely outraged that this has reached this level it should all stop tomorrow hodkinson says the article says hodkins credentials are beyond questions question with the medical uh, mal doctor's website affirming his credibility he received a general medical degree at cambridge university in the uk all kinds of letters after his name where he was a scholar at Corpus Christi College. Following a residency at University of British Columbia, he has been become a Royal College Certified General Pathologist and also a Fellow of College at the American Pathologist. He is in good standing with the College Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta and has been recognized by the Court of Queen's Bench in Alberta as an expert in pathology. And much of this has been uh, had, had this video. You can't get his video that I just played you. Uh, hopefully it played. Uh, you can't get it on YouTube. It's been blocked like all a lot of other good doctors have been blocked. We're going to call it a day. Uh, we're just winding down here last 20 to 30 seconds. Uh, so just a reminder, if you want to go to the play, December 4th through the 8th, Prospects, Church of Glad Tidings, Yuba City. Uh, there is a website, churchofgladtidings.com, if you forget all this and want to go back and find it. Festival of Lights, uh, after this broadcast, you can catch it on December 11 and 18, 6 to 8 at night. Bring your kids. It'll be a very magical time for them, for sure. Okay, thanks for listening. Hope you had a great uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, pray for the country. 
I we talked a lot about prayer today, prayer of thanksgiving, giving thanks, prayer, prayer and fasting. We're in the midst of a coup. You may not hear any gunshots yet, but uh, we're going to have something. And so uh, pray for the country, pray for President Trump, whether you like him or not. Uh, the Bible says to pray for the president. So we'll be back in a week, Lord willing. God bless you. We're so glad to see so many of you lovely people here tonight. We would especially like to welcome all the representatives of Illinois' law enforcement community who have chosen to join us here in the Palace Hotel Ballroom at this time. We certainly hope you all enjoy the show. And remember, people, that no matter who you are and what you do to live, thrive, and survive, there's still some things that make us all the same. You, me, them, Sugar to kiss.